Welcome into episode one of the Owen Show, the official episode one after the pilot. I am Owen Burke here, joined by my co-host Timothy. Are we going by Timothy or Tim? I we'll go by Tim to just keep it simple here. Tim, but yeah. Tim sounds like I feel like Timothy Hunt sounds better. Like if I put your last name on it, I feel like Timothy sounds better. But Tim is definitely better. I've always tried to go by Timothy, and it's never stuck. Never everywhere. stuck. Yeah. yeah. So. Like I said, when it's when you bring in your last name, I think Timothy does sound better than yeah. Tim Hunt. But like. We're going by Tim yeah. in the long run. So, That's fine. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'm excited. Right? I, I I don't uh, I have no I have no words. We we got a good show planned out. I think yeah. uh, we're gonna jump right in with your guys' stuff first, but I think it'll it'll be an exciting show and uh, hopefully a bright future ahead. Yeah, I've had I've had a couple co hosts over the years and through the prep phases, like I'm I'm extremely excited. No disrespect to all the co hosts I've had, but this is I feel like this might be the best work I've done in a while, so and that is attributed to you, my friend. Thank so, you. We're here. Tim's here. I'm here. We got a couple. Got a couple things to go over before we dive into the show, but we have a lot to talk about. So we are going to get into those first couple things. First thing I want to talk to you all about is you can get McDonald's delivered right to your door. Uber Eats and uh, is Uber's food delivery app makes ordering food as easy as requesting a ride with Uber. McDonald's has partnered with Uber Eats to get food delivered to hungry customers, allowing you to track your order, customize your drop-off location, and use the same account you use to take rides as well as order food. Menu items will vary by location. For food items availability, please select McDelivery in the McDonald's app and view items by selecting Order on the bottom menu bar. If you... If you go now, Uber Eats has a deal right now where you can buy one junior chicken and get a second one free, and you just can't say no to those savings. So make sure you all get with Uber Eats. Obviously, you got to be in a little bit of a bigger city than certain than certain ones to get Uber Eats, but great way to get food, man. If we have Uber Eats in Manhattan, I feel like a lot of places have Uber Eats now. So That's true. That's very true. So, but yeah, I think being a college town, it's you definitely get it a lot more than most. So you got a good chance of having it in your neighborhood. Check it out. Yeah, agreed. So um, before we officially get into the show today, do we do have a couple fan questions before we get down to what, what all we got written down. So got a couple special fan questions and a couple messages from people today, too. So... I'm going to try not to cry, but we're going to see what happens. We do have some some more emotional messages than I am used to reading on the show. So uh, we'll hop straight into that. i got to make sure I get the right thing pulled up here. I wasn't ready before we started recording. Amateur hour over here. What's new? And we're here. All right. So our first question we have today comes from us. He keeps closing my messages every time I open it. All right. So this one comes from Joe in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, He said, first off, I want to say that I'm a big fan of the show and I think the future is bright for BDO. I appreciate that. He said the future is bright for us individually as well. I do appreciate that as well. Uh, He said, my question for Owen is, what is your take on my Atlanta Hawks and their offseason moves and how do you think the Hawks will do this year after a great postseason? That's a great question. Uh, this might be a little sting for Tim, being our resident active Knicks fan in the house, to have to try to answer the question as well. Um, I like, I do like what the Hawks did. It was a little bit more of a quiet offseason than I expected for them to make, honestly. There wasn't a, a bunch of groundbreaking moves that they made, but the biggest thing for the Hawks going forward is always going to be development, which obviously isn't going to be a loud thing that you're going to hear about unless you're in the city and, and you follow the team very closely. 
But they have a lot of young talent. They have their veterans on the roster as well. I'm curious to see how they how they manage John Collins' contract situation going forward now. I, he did sign the extension, I believe. So it is going to make their money tighter. They obviously Trey Young signed his super max as well. Well deserved. You got to keep. He is your corner piece going forward, so you have to keep him around. But I think the biggest thing that's going to hinder the Hawks going forward and also help them is how well they manage the money situation. I, I think part of it, too, for, for the Hawks going forward is looking to someone comparable to them in the East, right? And the, the closest thing you have is the Milwaukee Bucks, right? What mm-hmm. they did to build a team around Giannis, right? Around like Giannis. Atlanta isn't going to be the top destination for a lot of free agents. Mm-hmm. So kind of throw the Kawhi Leonard dreams out the window. You know what I mean? Unless you're going to trade for a big guy, you're probably not going to see a lot of people come to your town. Yeah. Um. So like the biggest key is like what mid-level veteran free agents are you going to surround him with, right? Yeah. Like the reason the Bucks won was because of Drew Holiday. It was because of P.J. Tucker. It was because of the guys they were able to just trade and kind of piece around. Piece and then, together, yeah. Exactly. So I think if I'm a Atlanta Hawks fan, I'm actually kind of happy that they weren't throwing money out there loosely on guys who were unproven and overpaying for somebody yeah. just because you were so close. Like an Evan Fournier is not somebody that I'm paying $94 million a year. Uh, he ended up in Boston. So I think the, the development of their young guys and also like – Managing their money wisely when it comes to free agency. And also, they have a lot of young guys on this roster that they're going to have to pay eventually. DeAndre Hunter is going to be up for an extension soon. Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish. Uh, they took care of uh, John Collins and Trey Young in the offseason. Um, obviously, you have Clint Capella being your, your veteran influence down low. Danilo Gallinari landed there in the offseason. And they brought back Lou Williams, which I think is a key add as well. Um, I do love the signing of Lloyd Pierce. They added him, uh, or not Lloyd Pierce. They fired Lloyd Pierce in the middle of the season last year. They hired Nate McMillan. He came in. The Hawks had a complete turnaround. They were kind of struggling through the first half of the year, and they were able to, with Nate McMillan, they had a great record to end out the year. So I like Nate McMillan going forward. He was a great coach in Indiana when he was there with Victor Oladipo before he before he left town to go to um I think it was when he left before he left for OKC. So it was a while ago, but he was great in in Indy. They just couldn't get over the hump. You know, they yeah. get to the second round and they run into they run into Miami or or Philly or Milwaukee or Toronto and Kawhi was there. So he he could never get them over the hump in the playoffs. But this is an Atlanta team that needs to take the step of being a consistent playoff team, like. They yeah. need to make the hop to the title team, but I think they got to take it a step at a time. We have I, to go from the seller to a consistent playoff team. First. I, I think the biggest thing, like if I'm a Hawks fan going into next season, I want us to be, you know, a five seed or better, kind yeah. of at the midway point of the season, mm-hmm. and then at the trade block, let's add some pieces in, see who's available, you know, see who's a cap casualty, who we can kind of add in that yeah. aspect. Um, yeah, I wouldn't get your hopes up on, you know, what I mean, landing a big trade or anything like that, super yeah. big. And, and you just want the team to be consistent to prove that you can build around it, right? Like, Because yeah. you are in Atlanta, so you might get stuck for a little bit of time kind of being in this awkward, like, we're not quite a championship team, but we're a playoff team. Yeah. So we're not getting good draft picks, and we don't have a ton of young assets. And like, It's kind of the worst spot to be in, Yeah, to it's, sit there for a while. I mean, and honestly, like, I think the best comparison that you're looking for in Atlanta, too, would be to, like, Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. I know Luka and Trey were taken in the same draft. But development-wise, they're kind of a year behind each other, right? Yeah. This was Trey Young's kind of breakout year. He had a really, you know, splash, big run in the playoffs, things like that. So what I would look for is hopefully <laughs> Trey Lan- or Trey Young, excuse me. Yeah. 
takes that next step next year, kind of like Luca did this year, prove mm-hmm. that he can be, you know, a guy who can pass, who can rebound, who can kind of do everything consistently. Consistently, yeah. yeah. And if he has another season of high success, man, the 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 ceiling's high. Like you know, yeah. with a supermax contract, like he's locked down in Atlanta, I'd be, I'm pretty happy right now. Yeah, I would agree, and I'm curious to see what they do because, like I said, they have a lot of young guys that they have to try to navigate contract wise. It gives you the option where if you wanted to to package. You know, Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter or maybe Cam Reddish and package some of those guys and some picks to go get another superstar, right. that would be your possible deal at that point, which yeah. who knows which you know superstar is going to be available at the trade deadline. It's always a, a revolving door that changes weekly, it seems like, nowadays. Yeah. So, right now you might say Dame Lillard, but, I mean, who knows in you know four or five months exactly, where everybody's yeah. at. You know what I mean? A lot of people can surprise you who's unhappy midway through the season. Exactly. So definitely something to keep your eyes on. I like what they did. I think being quiet in, in the offseason was kind of a good thing for them. I think they have their coach of the future. I think they have their cornerstone piece. They have their couple vets, and they have young guys to build around. So yeah. the the progression of the team is really the thing that you're looking for. And also financially, you just have to be smart. So you may see some of your fa- fan favorites walk out the door, but it's it's a necessity because you can't overpay everybody. It's it's And a young NBA team is like a poker hand, right? And mm-hmm. it's the key is to know when to go all in. Because yeah. if you do it too soon and Trey Young's not ready and, and Colin, like that is exactly what Miami did last year. Yep. Like la- they had one great year in the bubble. They kind of went all in, got all these guys. And they ran it back and paid everybody all this money, and they stunk. Like yeah. it wasn't couldn't it, get it done in the playoffs. Yeah, they couldn't do it. So it's like you don't want to be you don't want to be a Miami, but you also don't want to be a team that sits on their superstar forever and never builds around them. You don't want to yeah. be in a Dame Lillard situation. So it's kind of tiptoeing that line and hoping that the front office is in the the right headspace to know when to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, they've drafted well. It's time to see if they can hold the team together going forward. So. Uh, great first question. Second question we have is coming from Roderick in Austin, Texas. Um, he said, how do you feel about NBA players wanting to be rappers such as Damian Lillard? Uh, nowadays in the NBA, is is it a distraction? Do you think it's okay? And kind of what's our take on the situation? He also said, big fan of you as well. I listen to you all the time to, uh, to pass time at my job. So I appreciate you for that. I mean, whenever you can have time to listen to the show, I always try to try to make time and make sure we have good content for those guys out there as well. So... Um, as far as being a rapper in the league or even at the college level nowadays, I think it can become an issue. I don't think it is for Damian Lillard. We haven't seen a you know any type of drop off in his play since he started making music. Um, so while it can be a distraction, I don't think it it will it won't be until the player makes it as such. I guess. So context is always key in these situations, right? Yeah. So like. KD and kind of the stuff you get off the court with him. Would you will you deal with the stuff that goes on off the court for the player that KD is? Absolutely, Absolutely. all all day. Like if yeah. he wanted to be a New York Nick, we would gladly take him yeah. in, the, in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. Like even though he's got all the sideline stuff, but like if Ben Simmons like said, "Hey, this summer a rap album's coming out," That's I'm true. a little I'm a little bit upset about that. That's like, very true. So like the context is key there. Like I don't I don't have a problem with guys having lives, especially like in the modern day NBA that we have, you know what I mean? Like guys are more empowered to ever. And I, and like, that's awesome. Like that's what makes the NBA. These guys are superstars. They're doing stuff outside. Like, you know, whether it's social media, rapping, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just think the context is key in what you're doing. It. That's very true. Like, I think that's a perfect example. Cause yeah. Ben Simmons doing that with, after the year he had would not fly well no. in any, 
in any market where the, where he's at in Philly right now, or even if it was to the team he got traded to. Yeah, Sacramento's not going to be happy with that new album no, coming out. So. Definitely, definitely not. So I don't think it's an issue, but I agree with Tim. Context, context is definitely key there. So uh, this last one comes from Rory in Plainview, Texas. Uh, this is definitely going to be the more heartfelt one. This one touched me as I read it before we started the show. So. Uh, Rory says, I don't have social media to reach out to you, Owen, but I wanted to tell you that I'm a 26-year-old following my dreams in college now, and you've inspired me uh, to chase my dreams and become a sports analyst. I currently attend Wayland Baptist University and wanted to get into sports podcasting as well. My question for you is how easy would you say it is to gain a following for podcasting, and how did you guys start doing this on BDL? Um, so first of all, thank you very much. It means a lot to me to see that someone out there is is affected by what I do. Uh, I'm still currently chasing that dream as well. Obviously, as much success as we had uh, with BDL in Season 1 and what we're doing now in Season 2, we still have a lot more that I want to try to get accomplished. So um, for us starting, man, a lot of it really comes back to Shay. He kind of took over at the beginning with getting all this stuff started. Um, as as easy as we made it look, it's really not easy to gain a, a, a massive following. A, you know, having loyal friends and family that is going to go out there and listen to it all the time, and and having people post your show as well. Like you know, we tweet about our show, and I have our my consistent four or five guys that listen to it, and then we'll also go retweet my stuff. Tim was one of those guys for a very long time before I got him behind the microphone. So having a good support system behind you, and I think being consistent. It's another thing that was really – it's a reason that when I first did the Owen show during quarantine, um, it struggled a lot because I wasn't super consistent on my time frames. I procrastinated a lot of things, and I didn't get it done on time. So it's hard to, to establish a listener base if you're not going to be there at the same time every week on the hour and you know kind of have your stuff ready to go. Um, so that was another big thing for us in season one was making sure we had something ready on f- every Friday at noon, we had something that was coming out. Um, so the consistency is a big thing. Um, and then also his second part of his question was, how do you guys get sponsors and, and big listeners or big numbers as, as far as listeners go? So uh, the other thing with that, man, is definitely Anchor. I say that every show. I really do mean that. Um, I took the idea to start BDL. Like Shay and Sam were – Doing, They were going to do a podcast. They had planned out. They had marketed it for a while that they were going to do Boys Don't Lie. They didn't really have the equipment yet, and it was kind of in the developing stages. I had just moved up to Manhattan at the time uh, to move in with my girlfriend. I had the equipment. I had done the own show a couple times. Me and Shay have done radio stuff before. So I said, why don't we do it, all three of us? You guys kind of have the marketing side of it. I have the equipment. We have chemistry before. You and Sam obviously have chemistry being brothers. Let's do this. Uh, that night, he went through and searched the web and found Anchor, um, which, you, like I said, you can record the show on your phone. You can you know, get your cover art uploaded on your phone. You can post from there. You don't need minimum listenership to do sponsorships at all. Obviously, the more listeners you get, the bigger and more ads you can get in the long run. So, sorry for that. Was, my girlfriend has that emergency bypass on, so anytime she texts me, it comes straight through. But... So Anchor is the biggest thing for us that made it so simple at the beginning because we could record everything the way we needed to do it. And then once we were done recording, you know, you set it to post on Anchor at a certain time. 
And at that time frame, it posts out to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and there's three or four other apps that I always forget that it goes out on at the same time. So Anchor's definitely the best way to do it. And as far as getting listenership goes, like I said, we 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 blew up within the first two to three weeks of doing it, and it was a shock. I did not think we were going to – I knew we would, we would get there. We had the chemistry to do it, and we had the following. Shay had the following on Twitter and everything to do it. But it took off a lot faster than I think most people usually do. So it's just being consistent and sticking with it, man. There's certain weeks where you may get four listens. The, I think the first Owen show had like 25 listens, and the second one got like four. And I let it get to me, and I stopped doing it. Yeah. So it's a real thing is just being consistent, and you got to stick with it. And um, the end of his message said, uh, thank you so much. You've inspired me in many ways that you probably don't understand. And but I just started going back to school this year to follow my dreams because of you. So that means a lot to me. If you need any help along the way, man, don't feel free. Like I know it was kind of a four step process to get the message to me, but I mean, you keep sending those messages through, and I get them. I'll try to help you out as as much as I can, man. Um, and that goes for everybody. I want to be able to help out because it's very inspiring to me to have people say that I'm inspiring them when I feel like I haven't got to where I want to be at yet. So. I'm on that road right there next to you, so I guess we'll take the journey together, man. So uh, I'll be on the lookout for that stuff. I'm going to keep in contact with Shay and kind of see where you're at. I'll try to keep tabs on it, man. So appreciate the messages. Appreciate the questions. Um, it's time to talk some football. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm, I'm excited. Um, All righty. First game that we're going to recap here is the, the Cowboys versus the Bucks. <clears throat> Obviously, a Thursday night football game, so everyone watched it. It was yeah. opening day of football. Everybody was excited for it. Excuse me. <laughs> Get caught up. <clears throat> that last message was making me cry there. But <laughs> I think scary-eyed. I think the, the thing that everybody should take away from this, I think both teams should be happy Yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I, I don't. I know the Cowboys lost, and, and there's a lot of hype around them right now. I think for the Bucks, you're happy that you're able to win a game like that, right? Like, a lot of penalties, sloppy play, and you're still able to win a game. And if I'm the Cowboys, I just barely got lost to by, you know, the Super Bowl winning champion Tampa I, Bay Buccaneers. I almost took out the defending Super Bowl champs week one. And and I promise you the competition in the NFC least will definitely only get easier for them. Yeah. So I, I think this is a good jumping off point. Um, I think Dak also looked healthy and not scared. Uh, which is always good to see, especially coming off an injury. He was a little tentative, and it wasn't even – it was more with his shoulder. His ankle looked fine. He was mobile in the pocket. His zip wasn't really there on the first, like, two drives. But the second he connected on that first 30-yard pass, we were back. It's like he never missed a beat. The shoulder injury never happened. The the ankle never happened. And I was looking – I was looking at the guy that was an MVP candidate through four weeks last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I think I think for them, too, is, one, the defense didn't get any better. So if you're a Cowboys fan, you're not super thrilled about that, but give them time. You know what I mean? Dan Quinn has just taken over. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that'll only get better as time goes. you got a rookie calling plays on the defense, yeah. too, which is absolutely wild. 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 But, um, so that'll also improve. So, like, I think the Cowboys are on the up. You know what I mean? They're they're trending the right direction. They don't play. I saw this. I think I heard it actually during that game. They don't play another playoff team 
like a team that made the playoffs last year. They don't play another playoff team till week eleven this year. Oh my year. god, that's scary. That is so they have a they have a ten week run. I don't know if there's a bye week mixed in there at all either, but they have a ten week run where they're not going to run into another defending playoff team. Yeah, it it might get. I mean, they got the Chargers next week, so that won't be an easy one. They've got the Patriots, which you know we'll see if that's any good. Vikings, Broncos, Falcons, and then they kind of come to the Chiefs there. Yeah, right, right. So it's about definitely a big wake about. up call when you hit that playoff team. Yeah. And as much as as talented as those teams are, and those teams did look good on Week One, no playoff teams from last year. So that is definitely something to kind of keep your eye on. Um, my biggest takeaways from the game was like it did the game at first, the first half, not that fun to watch. Teams were kind of finding their rhythm. Yeah. Bradley Pinion, I think is his name, the Buccaneers punter. Holy cow. That was the biggest takeaway for me in the first half. <laughs> that dude was on it. The first punt, he comes out and rips it 62 yards and pins him at the three-yard line. I'm like, good Lord. And I think Dallas took the ball all the way down the field, 97 yards and scored. So yeah, that, was a, that was a big one-two to start the game. Um, at the end, when it comes to the P.I. call or the non-P.I. call with Chris Godwin, I didn't see that much of a push. I didn't see the extension of the arm. I think the route, the way it was ran, you're kind of at a disadvantage as a corner already. It's kind of hard to stop momentum there and make the play. So I think Trayvon Diggs was already kind of falling to the ground before you could even see any type of a push. I just want to know as fans when we're going to get over the point that at end of games and in the playoffs, that stuff is going to slide. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like When it's that close right they're not going to call it they're going to eat the flag because it's on national television yeah. right they don't want it to become a flag fest so it's like at an end of a game that's going to slide nine times out of and 10. you look at it at the end of the, the other way around say that gets called all of a sudden now we hear buccaneers fans he didn't extend his arm he's right. already falling to the ground so it's a lose-lose situation for the refs in that fall but i don't like dallas had multiple multiple chances to win this game so while you may look at that as like the big thing that cost him in the long run, Tom Brady threw three interceptions, two interceptions, and one at the end of the half. Two real interceptions, yeah. and and they lost a fumble at the goal line as well. So for all the Cowboys fans that are out there, I'll see you in January. You're not going to get lucky. The refs bailed you out. You're not getting three turnovers from Brady himself. You're not getting four turnovers and 100 yards of penalties from a Tom Brady-led team in January. It's not going to happen. Tom Brady, I mean, so here's the thing. When Tom Brady was in New England Mm -hmm. versus even last season, when did the Buccaneers and the Patriots always look the worst? The the first month of the season. Yeah. First four weeks is always hideous. Always hideous. And then it's like mid-season. He starts warming the guys up. Mm -hmm. And then they start buying in a little bit more. Guys are working out a little bit more serious. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were like four and five to start the year last year. Yeah. They were we were talking about them losing to Nick Foles like last year. Like and then they won went on to win the Super Bowl. So they went undefeated the rest of the way and won the Super Bowl. I'm not super worried about a week one game against the Cowboys who who do have a high powered offense. You know what I mean? C D Lamb looked great. Amari Cooper looked great. Michael Gallup got hurt, so it's a classic he Cowboys game. He was he had I think even six catches before he went down as well. So they got to get the run game going, but that was as much you know the play calling was a little questionable in the first half, and then when it comes to getting Zeke carries in the second half, it was kind of hard because they're down at that point. Well, and I, the other thing I think too is that pass rush is brutal. And the Cowboys' offensive line was a little bit hurt, a little yep. bit banged up going into I think that they had week. Two rookies starting. Yeah, they had two rookies starting, and they had a float guy kind of playing um, on the line there too. So 
Like that pat you won't face a pass rush like that again. Your offensive line's gonna get better. Zeke will get more involved at that point and, uh, in the season. And also like Tam like you said, the pass rush and also Vita Vey on the inside, as good of a pass rush he is, is a very good run stopper as well. So for yeah. everyone that was especially fantasy owners that were mad about Zeke not getting touches, like this is a very good defense. Like their front seven is what makes that defense good. All of the so, Madden players knew Vita Vea was a beast. Okay? Yeah, exactly. He, that guy's been a beast in Madden for years. Yeah, that so. bull rush is unstoppable. <laughs> so What's the second game we're going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about the Browns and Chiefs next. So I'll okay. let you kind of lead off with this one. So I think from what I saw, I was able to watch like two quarters, two or three quarters of the game. I think what I saw in that game was it proved to me why Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. Why when you have number 15 in red, you're never out of a game. It's not possible. We saw him lead a 24-point comeback against the Texans in the playoffs. We saw him lead the comeback yesterday. And I think up until the last play in the Super Bowl, we all kind of thought, hey, I mean, there's a chance. Yeah. I got Patrick Mahomes on my team. We have a shot at this. I mean so. I mean, kind of rolling off of that, I think as as big of a as a great part of Patrick Mahomes that is, I think it's the same reason they lost the Super Bowl and it was a kind of a red flag for me that this team is too dependent on Mahomes. On him. Yeah. I would like, agree. That offensive line still like for them rebuilding it, putting all that money into it, didn't look amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean it only week one, so it might get better, it might not. But, man, that guy was running around for his life making throws that make you go, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. And see, that. and that's the thing is, like, and I – there's so many people after the Super Bowl that were, like, everybody, all they do is, like, they dick ride Patrick Mahomes. So, like, it was, like, the top 100 plays and one of his incomplete passes was number 98. They're, like, they put an incomplete pass in 98. They love Patrick Mahomes. They can't stop talking about him. Like, you guys don't understand. It's not that we love him so much or he, – He's that good. Yeah. And that throw that was at 98, yes, it was an incomplete pass. But he gets out on the run, escapes Shaquille Barrett, gets out to the side, trips, and is literally like parallel to the ground as he sidearms the ball to Tyree Kill, and it hits him right in the hands, and he dropped it. Yeah. So that should have been a touchdown, and I guarantee you that play goes from 98 to, like, one if that ball was caught for a touchdown. Yeah, the other thing, too, kind of when it comes to this, for the Chiefs side of things... um, I'm kind of looking for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we've seen Kelsey. We've seen Hill. Every, I mean, the best teams in the league right now have multiple options. Like, look at the the Cowboys. You know, they have Zeke. They have Cooper. You know what I mean? <laughs> they kind of need that third guy. And, I would agree. And yeah. whoever it is, I don't know. Somebody's got to set up. A lot of people thought it was going to be um, Pringle coming into this year. I mean, Hilaire had a great beginning of last year really yeah. kind of fizzled out towards the end it's really who's going to be that third guy for him to kind of help relieve Mahomes a little and bit we're looking I think they're looking to see McCall Hardman take that step and the issue is, is yeah, that's that, the other guy that Hardman is a deep threat and like why throw why throw a deep ball to McCall Hardman when I can throw it to Tyreek Hill right you know as as fast as and there's a solid there's a 50-50 shot that McCall Hardman is faster than Tyreek Hill is but Tyreek Hill is a better route runner more experienced he does have a little bit more rapport with Patrick Mahomes in the long run so I think for for Cleveland you've got to get Kansas City off the field the third down percentage was through the roof they converted just about every any time at will that they wanted to and and also turnover wise like that pick by Baker at the end of the game was ugly. I know he's trying to throw the ball away, but you got to get it out. Right. You know, you either got to take the sack or you got to throw the ball into the stands. There's no like half sideline throws. So it's hard enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. It's hard enough to hold him off from coming back. You can't lose the turnover battle by two and still come out on top. And I think that was another thing from from Dallas and and Tampa Bay. 
to lose the turnover battle four to one and still come out on top of that game was insane to it's, me. Yeah, it's a big positive. Yeah. I, I think Baker Mayfield's playing for his contract. Like, I would agree. That's what it looked like to me. That man was slinging the rock early yeah. on. And I think it, it shows we kind of see this problem with teams with young rookie quarterbacks. When they play from when they're ahead and everything's easy, it just they flow. They get in a they nice look good. Yeah, they have a nice rhythm going on. And that's kind of what Baker looked like. He looked like, you know, when they were up early and there was a lot of confidence. He comfortable. looked he looked good. He looked comfortable. Everything, you know what I mean? It was a guy that you'd be like, Yeah, you know, I that guy's a franchise quarterback right mm-hmm. there. But when it got tight, when it got scary. When it was 29-26, number 15 in Reds breathing on your neck, he got nervous. Yes, yeah. I think would, it got to him. That would be the biggest thing. If I'm a Browns fan, though, I mean, you got to be excited. Like, you played super well. That team looks super well. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski is, like, finally a Browns head coach who, like, yeah. doesn't have his head completely up his ass. Like, yeah. I mean, the it's guy... It's a nice change of pace. Yeah, it is a nice change of... <laughs> to have somebody who's confident. Like, I, I, if I'm the Browns, I'm, like, very happy with the way the future's looking right now. Agreed, yeah. Um, I know we're we're going to be pretty optimistic probably most of the time. I mean, we will get to some gloomers here in a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, like if I'm a Browns fan, I'm walking away very happy. Yeah. I, I can't complain about that at all. As frustrating as it is to lose to Patrick Mahomes twice in games you feel like you should have won, this one shouldn't sting as much as the game one of the regular season. you got a lot of time to get better for the postseason. And they didn't force the ball to OBJ at all, too, yeah. which, was, which was huge. Like yeah. that was – like that second year that Baker came out and just struggled, it just felt like he was throwing balls to OBJ that had no business. Yeah, they didn't really get o- OBJ going. And- he was he was on the sideline. He was hurt that game. Oh, he was hurt. Yeah, oh, so, okay, so he was a healthy scratch. So I think it allowed them to flow so flow, much better. Yeah, because I do think that that does affect him in the long run when he's able to just hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt a lot, and then able to just spread the ball around to the three or four playmakers he has. you got to think, when healthy, I have Odell, I have Jarvis Landry, I have Austin Hooper, I have David Njoku, and I just drafted Austin Schwartz, I believe is his yeah. last name. And he had a he almost dropped it, but that deep ball to him should have been a touchdown. He ended up coming down with it. That was a great catch by him in the long run. So the Browns have a lot to be excited about, and obviously Kansas City, you can't be mad at all. No, so. never. You're, you're a Super Bowl team if you're the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, next game we got on the docket here is uh, Titans versus the Cardinals here. Um, mm. If I'm a Titans fan, uh, to say I'm disappointed is... Uh, An understatement? Uh, yeah, a drastic understatement. Um, that That is a team that, like, week one, not trying to overreact. It's only one week of football, but... My God, that was disappointing. I think everybody overreacted through the offseason, which made it worse. Yeah. I think they were probably the most overhyped team. You did add Julio. I do understand how much of an ad this is. He had three catches for 39 yards. So as much as you may want to hype him up, first of all, the defense was not there. Kyler Murray looked like an MVP candidate. He tore them apart. Their receiving core is as good as advertised, honestly, if not better, because everybody was talking about, obviously, you have D-Hop. I have... Christian Kirk, who's coming into his third year. He's coming into his own at the end of last year. We added A.J. Green, who was once a top 10 receiver in the league. And then they drafted Rondell Moore in the fourth, and he looked great as well. So they have options upon options at the wide receiver spot. The Cardinals built a team the way, besides the whole Josh Rosen thing, like obviously that was just a complete waste. (laughs) That was their one misstep. But beyond that, they have built a team kind of the way I want. Like they didn't go out and, you know, they didn't add a – they added D-Hop, you know, last year. But this year they added pieces. They added guys. You know, J.J. Watt here, A.J. Green there. Yeah, exactly. You add small pieces here. Um, I think that's a a really big positive. I think, again, like I'm going to talk a lot about these guys playing for money. 
you notice guys tend to play better when they're in years where they're going to get big money next year, right? Yep. Like Baker didn't get his contract this season. Josh Allen did. You know what I mean? Lamar Jackson's probably going to get it at He's some getting point. There. We're getting there. So like the frustration for him's got to be high when it comes to that. Kyler Murray understands that. Hey, like whatever money is set this year, I'm probably going to break it next year as long as I have a great year. Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury knows like he's on the hot seat. Like if they don't make the playoffs this year, I, I would say 95% chance he's gone. He's probably going to get canned. So like these guys both have a lot to play for. They're going to yeah. be motivated. They're going to come out ready to cook because they have to be. Yeah, and I think the other big story, Taylor Lewan tweeted after the game, said, I got my ass kicked today. No way around it. I let the team and I let the fans down. Thank you, Chandler Jones, for exposing me. It will only force me to get better. Which is the truth. Chandler Jones had four sacks and he forced two fumbles off Ryan Tannehill. So he talked about a guy that was in trade talks in the offseason, was in contract extension talks as well, and he came out and balled. And I said it, I think I said it on our edge rusher bonus. I said, I think that's the best one-two punch when it comes to getting to the QB is J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. And Chandler Jones showed it. It's It's got to be. One. I mean, shout-out to the 315. That's a Syracuse guy right there. Yeah, that is. Grew up in Syracuse, went to Syracuse University. You know, guys moving up in the world. I love to see it. But, yeah. yeah, if I'm the Titans, even with Mike Brabel, the comments, I know we're recording this on Tuesday the 14th. Yeah. The comments he made today about Julio Jones – like it to me, it's not trending the right way after I a big agree. loss like that. Yeah, you, you can't go after your own player like that, and not as, yet, not yet. As much as his style as it is, it is one game. Let let's 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 give it. Now I get it. The Cardinals secondary is the best. Like no, it's not. I couldn't name their starting corner off the top of my head. Besides Buda Baker, like yeah. that secondary is pretty. I mean pretty slim their edge rushers is what gets it done so yeah. obviously their corners played well enough because for Chandler Jones to have five sacks their secondary was in it and you can't everybody knows that it's a one-two punch out there you can have the best edge rushers in the world if you can't cover your receivers for five seconds you're not going to get to the quarterback yeah. so obviously they played well enough so I'm excited to see what they look like going forward because they do have a couple interesting matchups coming up to start the year other thing I'll add one last thing kind of on that as we wrap this one up is the thing that this team reminds me of the most is the Atlanta Falcons the year after they lost Kyle Shanahan. Are you talking about the Titans? Yeah, the Titans. Okay. Yeah, that's what they look like to me. Like I'm not saying Arthur Smith is uh, is it's, Kyle Shanahan by yeah. no means, <laughs> but like when you lose your offensive coordinator, there's something to be said. Like the next guy doesn't just step up and is able to run the system run as well. It. Yeah. Right? It, it never has ever really worked out that well. They kind of look like the Atlanta Falcons coming off that Super Bowl win, or that Super Bowl loss, excuse me, where you were like, wow, this is a high-powered offense. Like, they're going to be back at it next year. And it's like, well, Kyle Shanahan was kind of the the driver to that. It's like, I wonder how much Arthur actually was running the show there when it comes to that, because it's like... Didn't look good. Because even, even the things that worked last year didn't work. Yeah, Derrick, Derrick Henry. Henry stumbled around a little bit. Yeah. I think he had, like, what, 17 carries for – which is a low carry count for him to start, and he only goes for, like, 65 yards, like three and a half a carry probably. Yeah. So it was a rough day in all facets. Titans are going to look to bounce back for sure. Next one we're going to touch on here is the, the Steelers and Bills. Um, not going to spend a lot of time on this, probably, because no. not a lot to talk about. No, definitely not. The only thing you're going to get out of me from this game standpoint is just probably just a little bit of a hate fest mm-hmm. for both sides. Um, I Pittsburgh was beat out in just about every facet of the game. Buffalo controlled the time of possession. They won the turnover battle. The only thing Pittsburgh kind of 
did they did better in the red zone by one trip. They got to the red zone three times. They scored once. Buffalo got to the red zone four times. They only scored once, or they only scored a touchdown once. Um, so the O line found their stride for Pittsburgh is kind of the positive in the second half. But in the first half, as probably just about as good as I thought they were, which is not good at all. Najee Harris had seven yards on eight carries in the yeah. first half. So sorry if you spent a first round pick on him fantasy wise. As as much as he may be a bell cow back, you got to have guys in front of him that are going to set the tone. And and if I'm a Bills fan right now, like don't sell all your stock. Like no. this was week one. It didn't look great. Last year, they were they kind of snuck up on everyone. They yeah. were, like, sneaky good. You know what I mean? They, they kind of crept up. Now they're the team. Like, everybody is, like... There's I'm, a lot of teams that they... A lot of people think this is the team that's going to make the Super Bowl this year. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, they are in that Super Bowl contender. So, it's another level of prep. It's another level of... People are going to give you better shots now. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? When teams play the Chiefs, they're going to, you know, put their best game plan. They're going to stay that extra 30 minutes. You know what I mean? The Bills are going to get that treatment this yeah. year. So it's all about can Sean McDermott and Josh Allen match that? Can they overcome that? You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm not out on them. Not at all. Agreed, yeah. And I think that's probably the one thing that cost them this game in the long run is you said people are going to give them those extra shots. I think that's the Steelers, that block, block punt for a touchdown. That's the extra 30 minutes of practice right there. Right. We're going to work an extra 20 minutes because if we can pin them inside the 20 and we can go block that punt and score, that's what swung the game. If Pittsburgh doesn't get that blocked punt and pick it up for a touchdown, they lose that game. Yeah. So that is the biggest thing. So, yes, Pittsburgh should be happy that they came out with a win, but they have to work on it. It's, it's a lot easier for the Bills going into week two. They have to clean up the punt team, and they have to make sure that they, they do better getting touchdowns in the red zone. For Pittsburgh, you've got to clean up just about everything but your your you know your punt return team at this point because, like I said, you got beat out in every facet of the game. Outside of that blocked punt. So, not a lot of positives for each team. Both teams got a lot to work on going into week two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next game we're going to touch on is kind of, I would argue, the shocker of the week would be the Packers and Saints. I think that was my entire mindset, honestly, for week one in general. When I look at all the games that happened, I was shocked in just about every game. There was one shocking aspect to me. Like, the Browns going up early was shocking to me. Patrick Mahomes coming back was not. This game was shocking overall. I think Pittsburgh pulling out against Buffalo was shocking. Um, watching how well Mac Jones played and the Patriots ended up losing, that was shocking. Somehow the Lions almost coming back down from 28 in two minutes was ridiculous. It was a very, very shocking week one, fantasy-wise and in real life. Yeah. So I think my biggest thing is let's not overreact to Jameis too much, as easy as it is. Yeah. Five touchdowns is very impressive. Give this man some credit. I'm I'm a bigger Jameis Winston guy than most to start with. I really do think he should have – he did win the starting job. I think he deserved it more in the offseason. As much flack as people want to give him, you know, the 30 interceptions, you know, all the things he did coming out of college and everybody. This is one of, I believe, the one of the six quarterbacks that is thrown for 5,000 yards in a single season. The other guys on that list are Dan Marino, who did it back in 84. You have Tom Brady. You have Ben Roethlisberger, Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, and then Drew Drew Brees Brees did it five times, which is also ridiculous. So as much as you want to give Jameis Winston flack, this guy knows how to play the spot. So let's not overreact to the stat line. He only had 148 yards. Um, I think the biggest thing is they simplified the offense a lot. There's a lot of simplified stuff, which is a good thing, I think, for him in the long run. He he didn't throw that many balls, if I remember no, I correctly. No, I think he was 14 for, like, 22. Yeah. For 148 yards and five touchdowns. The the one thing I will say kind of on this is is I'm not, like, 
out on either team or in on either team. I would agree, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely say with the Saints, like, Jameis Winston is a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And this was a high. This was a peak for sure. The question is, is how low do the lows get, right? Like, um, is he going to have a game where he goes out and throws three or four interceptions? Mm-hmm. Or are those days beyond him, right? And when we open up the playbook, can we see a higher peak at that point as well? Right. You may. I don't think you're probably going to touch the five-touchdown mark again. But can we hit... 300, 400 yards, and two, three touchdowns at that point. Right. I think that's a better stat line than 150 and five. And and when the run game isn't working, right, That this is going to be the biggest question for the Saints going forward. When the run game isn't working and Jameis has to throw it 30, 40, maybe even 50 times in a game, what does that look like? To me, that's the biggest question because, I mean, one, Sean Payton, a, a, just a genius, like rebuilt this offense really completely. He really is, 100%. It's, it's nothing like it was last year in, in the aspects that we kind of thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely a run first team. And yeah. they didn't back off the run in the second half at all. Like, oh. he, he stuck with it. So, I mean, if they can do this, I mean, hey, that team might be sneaky good. But. Yeah. And Jameis' arm looked good. The the deep ball that he threw down the field to Don, Deontay Harris was picture perfect. There was a couple throws that he made that were that didn't look great. The one he threw to Jawan Johnson in the left corner of the end zone was extremely high for no reason. Like that was an uncovered throw that you should have made pretty easily. That he had to make an athletic catch to haul in. But the thing I could think is like even the bad throws were the best throws that you can make as a quarterback. They're plays that no one can make but your receiver. Right. Nobody's touching that ball other than the guy that's wearing white and gold. So I think as as shaky as the arm looked, there was no throws that I looked at like that should have been picked off. Right. You know, so I think that's a huge plus. When it, as well. when it comes to a guy like Jameis, like I'm not super wrapped up in the inaccurate throws because I don't have a quarterback like Jameis Winston if I want to make precision throws. That's throwing. why I draft Mac Jones. Yes, yeah, no, I draft yeah. a guy like Mac Jones or some, or Tua Tungavaloa. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I have Jameis Winston on there for exactly what he did well, and that's bomb the ball. Yeah. Throw it deep. Agreed. And and if you're, you're going to have, like, I mean, the Jameis effect is, is like, we're okay with one interception. It's when it's three or four, it becomes mm-hmm. the problem. Because if you can get the three amazing deep ball throws out of them in one interception, mm-hmm. you're, you're even okay two, with that. If I'm putting up four to five touchdowns, if I'm having five touchdowns yeah. and I throw two picks, I'm okay with that ratio. Yeah. 100% I'm okay with that ratio at the end of the day. Kind of On the Packers side of things, though, I oh, will say. Good Lord. That team looked like the offseason they had, right? Like, yeah. That, that offseason was a mess, and they looked like a mess. Do um, you, are you buying into any of the stock that like Rodgers is through that game and is possibly like throwing games to get traded? We will we will talk about that in a later segment. Okay, so I am enough. I don't want to get too deep into that. Okay. That's something we will touch on a little bit later for you guys. But like, uh, I think that's the worst game he's ever played in his career. Uh, it's up there. It and was I, definitely a stinker. That deep ball that got picked off by Marcus Williams was like the best and the worst throw of his career. Because first of all, he throws it. It's it's he's got single man coverage with one high safety in Marcus Williams. That ball was horribly overthrown, which doesn't happen to Aaron Rodgers. Second of all, it was horribly overthrown, but right into Marcus Williams. Like yeah. it looked like he was throwing it in stride to Marcus Williams. Like, so I don't know. Like we're gonna talk about it more later, yeah, but it well, was a little fishy. I, I have some thoughts on that, and I think I have a decent comparison to kind of what Aaron Rodgers is going through right now that okay. everyone will relate to a little bit more. Okay. But the biggest thing. For me, is I don't know if you saw the stat that if he threw every ball into I the did. ground, his passer rating would have been higher than it was. Yeah, and to me, that just that's the only, red flags. The only other guy that is 
been in that conversation where you've been able to pull stats like that was Nathan Peterman when he was in Buffalo. <laughs> the we all, yeah, I was like, the only guy that likes Nathan Peterman is John Gruden, and that should tell you something. John Gruden loves Nathan yeah, Peterman. Yeah, that he does. Yeah. Uh, another thing with Rodgers before we move to the last thing, mm-hmm. the O-line did not look great. David Bakhtiari is still out on IR, so they had to slide Elkton Jenkins out, and they had to – they threw in a guy at left guard that usually doesn't play left guard to replace him, and they had – a, they had two rookies at center and right guard as well. So the, the protection wasn't great. That, I think, attributed to the other pick. But there's just there was a lot of throws that he made where I'm like, the protection wasn't great. And your receivers may not have been getting as open as you are, but you're Aaron freaking Rodgers. Right. That is not a th- the two picks that he made are not throws that Aaron Rodgers would usually make. Yeah, so. absolutely. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Got? Moving on to the next one. We're going to do – so this is kind of going to be like the headline section of the show. So we're going to talk about, you know what I mean, some some different things. Um, and this is a spot where if you have stuff that you want us to talk about, like drop it. Like, yeah. You gotta, let us know. Let us know. Like this is this is kind of your guys' section. And if we're talking about stuff and you're like, hey, nobody cares about this, let us know too. Like, Agreed. Don't, don't be afraid to be like – it doesn't all have to be positive feedback. It can be, you know, no one really cares about this. Agreed. Um. We will take it into consideration regardless. Yeah. We'll, so. we'll kind of touch on some stuff we added in last minute at the end here. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of to start off, we're going to do a little, little rookie watch, okay. talk about the rookies who played um, and played a lot. Like, I don't really want to talk about Trey Lance's, like, three drives. You know what yeah. I mean? His I don't one want, touchdown it, pass. His one, yeah. Like, yeah. we're going to talk about guys that played a whole game. That like, started and played it. Yeah, exactly. Um, we really don't want to touch on, yeah, two drives because that's, you know, go somewhere else to find that. Because, Agreed. Because we're go, not... Go watch the 49ers specific podcast. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure they're going to talk so about it. So we will talk about those guys once they start playing. You mm-hmm. know, if they play a half, you know, we're more likely to talk about them Agreed, than two yeah. drives. Um, we're going to start out with my guy. I'm a diehard Patriots fan here, Mac Jones. Um, All right. So 29 of 39, 281, one touchdown, a QBR. And this is a I'm, – I'm always going to read the adjusted QBR ratings. I'm never going to read, like, the stat one that's always fucking blown up and crazy. Yeah. Um, 75.1. Which the league average is, like, 80. 80, that's where you yeah. Be, yeah he, he ranked – I think he was the eighth quarterback in QBR this week. Yeah, he looked good. So, I mean, honestly, he's everything that I want him to be. He is everything that I think Bill Belichick wanted and everything yeah. we expected as well. I, I think he did look a little nervous, a little tight in the red zone at times. You know what I, I mean? agree, yeah. I think that's just that's going to come with time. You know what I mean? And as he gets more comfortable with his guys and everything like that, that'll, that'll improve as the season goes. But to be honest with you, like, he stepped up in some pressure spots and through the ball. Yeah, the like, only that the red zone percentage and like I think they were one for four to get touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah. That's the honestly the only knock I had against him. He did well in play action. He was even nine for thirteen when he was under pressure. When yeah. when it, when a guy's in his face, completing nine of thirteen passes is a tough thing to do, especially for a rookie quarterback. So he looked good. The Patriots really should have won that game, but yeah. four fumbles and losing two of them, they lost the turnover battle. That's gonna kill you in the long run. Yeah. I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions. No. So, and that's and that's the most you can ask for. I mean, I, I like our backfield. I think it'll get better as the season kind of goes along. I mean, we're the Patriots. We never look good in the first month of the season. We kind of touched on that even earlier. With, even with Brady, yeah. Even with Brady, we never look good. So, like this is a, like the Patriots. I'm really happy with the direction it's going. Um, I mean, even our weapons, man, compared to last year, 
looked good. You know, yeah. Janu had a couple of catches. Hunter Henry had a couple of catches. Nelson Aguilar actually looked like maybe a one. I was like, he looked good in in when their last year in Oakland last yeah. year. He looked good with the Raiders last year as well. So it felt like he left Philly and he went from like the worst and like most talked about in a bad way receiver to. Potentially being a wide receiver one, or yeah. a very solid wide receiver two going if, forward. If, yeah, if he's not a one, he's definitely a, a two that you would want on your team. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100% going to win that game. Defense didn't play well. Um, oh, they played well. They didn't play as well as we would have liked. The, but The turnovers, man. Yeah. Kills you in the long run. It'll That team will, will only trend up. as And we had a bunch of guys come back who didn't play at all last year. Agreed, so yeah. That's a high tower is trying to shake off some rust in the middle yeah. of your field as well, so... That'll that'll get better, and Belichick always schemes better in the season. Agreed. Um, Once he gets some more film, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna look good. So, Zach Wilson is the next guy we'll talk about. Um, kind of just go over his stats real quick here. Twenty for thirty-seven, uh, two touchdowns and interception. Twenty-eight point eight on QBR. There, yeah, a little, little rough day. Rough. Um, I will say he is exactly what his draft profile was. He is. You saw the flashes, but yes. we also saw why there was a lot of like talk about him possibly being a bust. There, there was some plays that I went, "Wow, that was Patrick Mahomes." That was ridiculous. Yeah, like there was some plays that he just made that you were like, "Wow," you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there were also some plays you're like, mm, "Don't do that." Yeah, no. please don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, please. Whatever. When we watch that film session, that's something that we go in and we go, "Yeah, this play can't can't happen like this again." You, you know, what do, I mean? you can't make this mistake twice. Yeah, and and the biggest thing I hope for him is he doesn't get into a situation where he's always trying to force it and he feels like he has to be the guy. Agreed. I mean, honestly, for both those guys throwing 35-plus times as rookies in their first game starting, the the confidence level and the dependency looked very different. Mac mm-hmm. Jones, it didn't feel like the Patriots were putting all the weight on his shoulders, where it was Zach Wilson, I was like, this guy is out there and he has to do it all. He's got to do it by himself, yeah. yeah. I think that was my biggest takeaway, too. The The O-line didn't look great. They made moves in the offseason to make it better, adding Elijah Vera Tucker in the draft I think was very smart. And and obviously losing Mekhi Becton early in the game is going to hurt you. Yeah. He is your franchise left tackle going forward. So with the O-line play not there, and then they didn't run the ball. They didn't establish the run game, so it, it forced even more pressure upon him. And people are like, well, you can't run the ball when you're down in a game. Okay, well, why didn't you run it in the first half when it was 0-0 or 7-0? That's so the their OC is LaFleur's brother. It's yeah. like Mark LaFleur, Mark I think LaFleur, is his name. Yeah. And that is is West Coast style. So if you can establish a run game, really not much else kind of comes from it. Agreed, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could become extremely one dimensional after yeah. that. Like if you look at like the coaches that are successful with it, so whether it's Shanahan, he runs the ball successfully. McVay runs the ball successfully. Mm-hmm. Even even his brother in Green Bay, when they run the ball well and they have Aaron Jones cooking, Aaron Rodgers plays better yeah, because of it. When Aaron Jones is cooking and they can take that play action deep shot to Marquez Valding skinning over the top, it makes that offense even more dynamic than it already is. So with him, the things that I did like is he didn't get flustered. Like his first half was as bad as the QBR looked for the whole game. At halftime, I think it was like a 5.9. Like yeah. it was god-awful. He was like 0 for 7 under duress. He was like 0 for 4 on play action, 0 for 3 in deep. Like, it was a horrible first half. And I think the thing that I loved is it didn't get to him. You're looking for a rookie that comes out and plays that bad. That affects you to a certain degree. It didn't look like it affected him at all. He came out and he still pushed the fall down the field. Yeah. Made those plays that we were like, holy cow, this is, that was, 
That's a throw I make. I see one other guy make, and the only thing that I'm worried about is we gotta gotta put the the cap on that because yeah. confidence can turn into cockiness, and that's where it turns bad. You go from Patrick Mahomes to Johnny Manziel very quick with an attitude change. Yeah, I mean, even just hearing, you know what I mean, the media and how, you know what I mean, it didn't go obviously the way they wanted to. So like, you kind of got to tamper those expectations, and that's what I worry about him throwing. 35 you know what i mean yeah if if i'm the gm there i'm talking to the head coach be like can we like we're not going to win a lot of games this yeah. season if we win six games this season that's a we're really successful year very happy so like let's put him at 25 throws just so he kind of gets a feel for things yeah. can i do we don't have a one back but we drafted michael carter i have tevin coleman yeah like i have some guys that have some experience at least by committee we have to establish the run game first yeah because i think you're going to see even better stuff from him in the long run if you're able to do that so I agree. I agree. What we got next? Trevor Lawrence. The big um, one. Yeah. I'm not even going to read the guy's stat line because <laughs> it's honestly a disservice to him. Um, I Like, I genuinely, I, I refuse to. It was like to. 383. I don't even want to talk about like, Don't even want to look. Don't okay. even want to look it up. Like, I'm not even going to do that guy dirty. I think what we're seeing on the field for him is not his fault. Agreed. So I think obviously he made some plays that you were like, yeah, that's the bad things aren't his fault. Correct. We saw why he was the number one quarterback. There Absolutely. were a couple throws where I'm like, that's the guy I saw for Clemson at three years for sure. We'll talk about Urban Meyer a little bit later here, but it was Urban Meyer's fault. That performance was a hundred percent. That that looked like an NFL coach versus a college coach. Like we we talked about the Jets possibly putting too much on Zach Wilson or maybe. Relying yeah. on Mac Jones too much. This is the extreme. If, if you're relying too much on those two guys, there was no other offensive player on the field outside of Trevor Lawrence on this, Sunday. This, this to me has the inkling of ruining a uh, number one quarterback. Like hundred percent. Like this. Like if if in Trevor Lawrence, if like in four years we're like uh, kind of panned out to be a middle of the road guy, like it might be the Jags' fault entirely, and, and it might be Urban Meyer's fault entirely yeah. as well. Like. And like you said, the stats don't do him a service, and the and this stat's not his fault. But having a any quarterback, and I've said this multiple times, my take on any quarterback throwing fifty times in a game. First of all, it shouldn't happen that often, and if it does happen, there's like three or four guys that I'm okay with letting it happen. Right? Yeah. Patty's one of those guys. Maybe Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, maybe Josh Allen. Yeah. And those better be shootout games. I better see like fifty. Four, yeah. I better see the Rams Chiefs, Chiefs. game in Mexico City. Absolutely. That's the only time I should see that. There is no way, there is not an Ice Cube's chance in hell that I should have Trevor Lawrence or any rookie quarterback throwing 50 times at all in the season, let alone opening weekend. That's ridiculous. If you guys ever ask us the worst question in NFL-like questions that people get asked, which is, do you think if Alabama played the worst NFL team, like, do you think they would win? I'm going to go back to this game because this this is what it would look like. Like, yeah. the Jags have NFL level talent. Like they have some dudes that are like NFL guys, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And the Houston Texans, like, I mean, maybe they end up being good, but like a lot of people were like, oh, if they win a game, it'll be a success. This is the worst team in the league yeah, this year. That they, was the expectation. They smoked them. Like, yeah, and it was not close. Even if this team turns out to be like an eight and eight Houston Texans team, that there's, is. <laughs> yeah, there's no excuse. That's four wins above where we want to be. In week one, when you've had the entire offseason of prep for this game, if this is what it looks like and Urban Meyer's going to get less time going forward, I, oh, I'm i not excited. It's rough. 
So, yeah, the O-line didn't look great. And I think another thing for Urban, they it's the same thing with Zach Wilson. Didn't establish a run game. And it's even worse for Urban Meyer because I talked about the Jets not having a solid one back. I have James Robinson, yeah. who was one of the best stories in the NFL last year, coming undrafted and coming in and running that backfield last year. So for him to not establish a run game, he did... He did Trevor Lawrence no service at all by calling 51 plays for him to throw the ball, not establishing the run game, and also just he just kind of threw him straight into a pro-style offense. There was no like easy plays that should be easy to grasp right. where you can't make mistakes. He was like, all right, kid, here's an NFL playbook. There's a solid chance that you make mistakes here, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah, I know Jags fans are going to hate us, and if you anyone in the U.K. is listening right now, yeah, like that's not – like, if, if there was one team that I feel the worst out of coming out of week one, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. 100%. Like, you, like, honestly, like, I genuinely believe this when I say this, you would have been better off starting Tim Tebow at quarterback week one because of the potential damage that you've done to Trevor Lawrence. Agreed. Like, like that man did not deserve that level of ass. Like, those teams, like, skill-wise and everything like that, I mean, the Jags are a better team on paper, right? Like, and I know paper doesn't always relate to the field, but, like... The Jags are a better team, and they got their ass kicked. Like, yeah. That something, like if you lose a close game, you're like, all right, yeah. shit happens, whatever. Or you, you haven't got your ass smoked by a team that is not as good as you are. And, and I'm, a, I'm always a fan of teams have off weeks, right? Like That's not an uncommon theme. Mm-hmm. But to have your off week be week one when you should be the most prepared for the opponent you're playing, yeah. to me, is not a not a good sign of what's to and come. And it's, it's okay to have that off week if, like, all right, we're shaking off rust. We haven't right. played a full game in a while. But, like, your play calling was off. That yeah. cannot be a thing that you're missing on yeah. week one. The the thing to me, and this this happens every every year and every week too in the NFL, is the first drive of the first half and the second half, right? Oh man, he's starting to cook. He's starting to look good. You're like, they have scripted plays. Like they like ten to fifteen plays, plays. that are scripted out. Yeah. And they know what they're gonna call going into that first drive of the game, mm-hmm. and they probably adapt that second half plan to what they're seeing. Yeah. So it's like it's always easy to look good on the first drive. The man didn't look good on the first drive when they had every chance to script out the plays. Yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson could have started free safety for him and they would have <laughs> still been blowing him out. Yeah, like it was a solid chance. It was bad. Okay. We're done talking about that garbage game. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll let you go first on this one. Okay. I can't even tell looking at Owens which one is his hot take and his cold take. So this next section is going to be called Hot and Cold. Uh, we're going to do one take that some of you might call freezing cold that everybody's talking about that we agree with. And then we're going to have kind of a hot one, right? So like one that like, man, like I don't know. And we don't always have to be all in on it, right? So you don't gotcha. have to hold us super accountable for this. But do. You know, don't be afraid to get in our Twitter DMs and add us and, yeah. and kind of smoke us for it. So it my cold take would be the Arizona Cardinals make the playoffs this year. That's yeah. that's something like watching that. I was high on him before the season. I know there's no proof of that or anything, but Owen and I talked about it. Like I kind of like the Cardinals to come in this year. It's again they're they're kind of like the Bills last year. Nobody was talking about them. They made they made the big splash of JJ Watt and everybody was kind of talking about him then and then yeah. Julio kind of just overtook that talk. Agreed. So there wasn't a lot of love. People were like, you know, is Kingsbury going to get fired this year? Like, there was a lot of things, and that's the year, like, move in silence, people. Like, if you can do that and be successful, you're dangerous. Um, My hot take, and this is going to really, and I hope, like, all my Cowboys fans are listening right now, the Eagles will win the NFC East. Wow. And that is one that I 100% believe in. Wow. That team looked good. Like, really good. Jalen Hurts looked like... 
he might be the dude. Like, there mm-hmm. was some questions of, like, should they have drafted a quarterback this year? Are they going to draft one next year? Like, another guy that nobody's talking about. Like, guys never had his shot, like, with a real team and a real coach around Even the them. Eagles have barely given him a shot. Right. They went and, traded for Gardner Minshew in the preseason. Yeah. I, I think I, I really – and that's the other reason, like, that I believe in the Eagles is, like, they've got a legit backup. Like, if, if like, everyone always talks about these, you know, running guys get hurt, if Hurts goes down for two or three weeks – There's a solid chance that they're in better shape. Yeah. I've always been a big Gardner Minshew fan. Oh, okay. That's the only why I say that. I love Gardner Minshew. As a as a as a player, as a persona online, you know the the, the, the Mississippi mud flap boy, that. like. But I just like him as a QB as well. So, but yeah, like if they if they lose Jalen Hurts for four games and they come out two and two or three and one or depending on who they're playing, four and zero, oh, like because they have solid like backup stuff like that. I mean, their wide receiver core looked good. They got two really good tight ends like mm-hmm. Zertz and Dallas Goddard. Kind of show they can be the guy like. They're building a team like that I look at, and I, I wish they had better running backs. That would be the only thing yeah. I could sit here and say I wish they had. But, like, I mean, Dallas is, is like, we saw, like, what they can be. Like, Michael Gallup gets hurt. Another guy on the offensive line gets hurt. Or, you know what I mean? Something yeah. like that happens, and this team falls apart really quickly. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a hot take to say that the Cowboys won't win. But also, like I think when most people say the Cowboys won't win, I think a lot of people then float to the football team as winning. So yeah. the Eagles being there is definitely a hot take. For mine, I definitely kind of messed this up and wrote down two hot takes. One okay. thing. But okay. honestly, I'm going to stick with the second one as a cold take. Because okay. after seeing week one, I think, I, I think the second one is a cold take. Some people may, like, yeah. I think the Jags finished last in the AFC South. Yeah, that's they finish a- worse than the horrible Texans are going to finish, as bad as the Titans looked in week one. By the way, was it no? Because I guess not every single there's there's one team in that division that has a win mm-hmm. after week one, yeah. and it's the Texans, it's which Texans, I don't think right? anybody would have predicted nope. that going into the year. Uh, so I think the Jags finished last. I think with obviously we're going to talk about Urban Meyer here in a little bit, and from what I saw in week one, it does not look good in Jacksonville right now. Um, so I think their division isn't super tough, but their schedule doesn't get really any easier as the season goes on, and as their division may not look super strong, like. They just – they're going to get beat, I yeah. think. Like, it's just – they have a lot of as, – as their division may not look good, there's a lot of different problems that you have to deal with. Like, if I can stop Julio, I have to worry about Derrick Henry and, and A.J. Brown. If I can stop the run game for Minnesota – or for, for Indianapolis, like, Carson Wentz looked pretty decent. Zach Pascal was a great – he looked okay. Like yeah, I, w- I was about to say I wouldn't say decent. He looked like, he looked okay at best. Like as much as as much as you may think you have a shot against the Colts, like a culture and a team, they they're way better than the Jags are. As dysfunctional as they may be, the Jags are the definition of dysfunctional at this point. The the funny thing is, I think our cold takes were about the opposite. Like I think we talked about. So in the AFC, I think the most wide open division is the South. Like, yeah. Like I don't, I have no idea. And then I think in the NFC, I think it's the East. Like I don't know. I really, there's any team could win it. Yeah. And I think for your next one, you talk about the most solid division in the AFC, and I talked about the most solid division in the NFC. Yeah. So. Um, with my hot take, from what I saw last night, I watched all four quarters, every down, every play. Derek Carr is going to turn in an, an MVP level season. When now, I feel crazy saying this, and I don't one hundred percent believe it. Yet. Okay, okay, it has been one week. I was going to ask you how much you believe this one. I am, I am a solid like 
50 to 60% there okay. right now. That's from, more than I would be if I were From Rio. what I saw, now again, I watched every play last night. When I looked, from, from what I saw last night when the Raiders played the Ravens on Monday Night Football to open up the year, Derek Carr pre-snap looked great. He read just about everything that we were looking to do on defense. When we sent six, seven, eight guys, he got the ball out quick. He knew it was coming. And when we buffed, blitzed, and dropped back in the zone, he found the guys in the zone. Derek Carr looked great on Monday Night Football. So I attribute some of it to John Gruden. The play calling was good. But there was a lot of calls that he checked out of at the line of scrimmage, called a different play, and they ended up getting six to seven yards. The run game wasn't really there, and he still found a way to get through it. So... Uh, as much as I may not believe it, off of last night alone, and again, the Raiders are not a team that is known for consistency over the, the, the season, Derek Carr looked great last night. And as much as I want to be a critical Ravens fan and really try to tell people why we lost, to be honest with you, the Raiders won. The Raiders outplayed the the, the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And Derek Carr was a very, very big part of that. And when I look at their offense... I have Josh Jacobs. I have Kenyon Drake. So I know I have a one-two punch. If one of them goes down, I should be pretty solid in the run game. When I look at my receiving core, Henry Ruggs can take. They don't really have their one guy, but I feel like they have a guy that's very good at one thing or another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Henry Ruggs can take the top off of any defense. Hunter Renfro is a very talented route runner. Darren Waller's the third best, if not the second best tight end of the game at this yeah, point. Yeah, somewhere in there. And Brian Edwards has taken this offseason, turned in a great camp, a great preseason. And Derek Carr said that Brian Edwards looked like Devontae Adams did when they were at Fresno State together. That is huge, a huge compliment. And Brian Edwards didn't do anything during the entire game. But guess where he popped in at? On that drive to go kick the game-tying field goal, he had the two catches to move him into field goal range. And he, what was the game-winning touchdown but was called down at the three-yard line right. where he stretched for it, he was also the guy that made that great catch on the sideline. So as much as he may not have had a game plan, all of a sudden he made the three most crucial plays that they had had in the entire game. Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of thoughts on this. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you, and then I'm going to tear you down. On Fair enough. One. Bring it on. So I would say on the hot take meter, like this might be an 11. Like This, this might is breaking be, it. This might I be off the scale. Like this is a pretty hot take. It is. The biggest thing that scares me about this, and if you look at like Gruden's history like with the Raiders now and before with the Bucks and the Raiders, mm-hmm. he always starts off the season really well. Like That's true. He, he's one of those guys that for some reason at the beginning of the year he's well prepped. He's an Andy Reid. You know what I mean? But something about the later months, they slowly teeter like off. I said the consistency is not there. That's they, the thing that worries me. Yeah. So like the Raiders, like, I mean, the first year Gruden was there, everyone was like, Wow, this might be a playoff team. Like mid season they were talking about it and then they just stunk. Like they were off. I think they lost like eight of their last nine yeah it was it was horrendously bad like i don't know if it's gruden's fault or what's going on but like yeah that would be the only thing is like like the first month i expect raiders and and car to play really well i don't think in the second half we're gonna kind of we're not gonna see the same level that's the only reason i'm not 100 on it and also like i probably am extremely overreacting to what i saw but like as as banged up as they may be i know the ravens and i think another thing is as good as the Ravens' defense is, there was not a lot of pressure in his face. As much as people thought the offensive line got worse, they looked pretty good last night. The run game, they were a little iffy, but that's yeah. where the Ravens really excel is stopping the run. They, I mean, they pounded it in when they needed to, you yeah. know what I mean? And Kenyon Drake looked good catching a couple good balls, you yeah. know what I mean? Like Josh Jacobs 
didn't look amazing, but didn't look bad. I, the more I think about it, the more I think the thing that killed the Ravens is the, the fact that they turned the Raiders into a one-dimensional team. Right. They they went and smashed the run game and forced Derek Carr to throw, but then we couldn't guard any of the receivers. Receivers, yeah. We're getting toasted on just about every route down the field. I mean, the, I will say the one thing the Raiders did do is they built it like an old-school Raiders team. Yep. Guys who just run yeah. and just run out of their shoes, and it didn't work for a long time. I'm not saying it's going to work now, but like it worked last night. Yeah, it worked last night. They, it looked good. Like they had some guys that uh, that could definitely run their shoes off. That's yeah. for sure. Agreed. What we got next? All right. So this segment we're going to call it "Pump the Brakes" here. So okay. I'm going to kind of give hot takes in general, not necessarily mine, not necessarily Owens, just kind of stuff that's being talked, talked about, about in the year. Um, and Owens either going to say, you know, pump the brakes on that, or you know. Don't be afraid to say that. So, um, and trust me, like when I I spent some time on these trying to write I some like spicy them. ones, I like it. So, and I and I went like full like twelve year old Dallas Cowboys fan, like going <laughs> off the rails. Like Fair imagine enough. like. Somebody who you're like, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. These are the kind of headlines I went for. That's fine because it makes it makes it tough for me to try to decipher it. Yeah, point too. So, so a couple of these are going to be like close ones that I actually believe in. Some of them are just wild. Out of there. So yeah. let's just let's get out of the gate with a good one here. Okay. Uh, Green Bay will trade Aaron Rodgers before the trade deadline. Ooh, it's tough because also there's been a lot of people that are talking about him possibly playing bad and throwing games to right. get traded. The whole last dance thing. Uh, that he and Devontae Adams posted in the offseason. I'm still going to pump the brakes on this. The biggest thing to me is as much as it looks like he wants out or that the team may want to move him, the logistics of putting together a package for Aaron Rodgers to any team, I just don't see any team ever agreeing on it in the long Mm -hmm. run. Unless things truly, like, they have to grind to a halt and he's got to be sitting on the sideline a healthy scratch for three weeks for it to happen. Yeah, because I like what what realistic package? Whether you're the Broncos, and even then, they were the biggest suitor coming out of the trade deadline, and all of a sudden, Teddy Bridgewater has them looking like a playoff contender. I don't think that'll stop them for pursuing Rodgers. You know what I mean? I think it's very similar to uh, what Denver did before with Mm -hmm. Peyton Manning. Just because you have somebody that's kind of good, you know what I mean? They like they booted. Um, I'm trying to remember who was there it was, before. It was Tebow. It was Tebow, Tebow was coming off a playoff win yeah. in Pittsburgh. He, he won in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, and, and they obviously they lost the next week. But yeah. you got a guy that just took you to a playoff win for the first time since who knows when. And, right, and they booted it and they restarted for like for Peyton Manning. I I don't think that'll stop him. Agreed. The I'm glad you brought up the last dance because this is something I said we were going to touch on later in the show. Mm-hmm. Is Michael Jordan? No matter how mad he was, at, I'm going to Jerry Krause. There it is. Yeah, I'm glad it came to me there. No matter how mad he was, he still went out there and competed because true. it was about his name and his number, right? It had nothing to do, like, as much as he didn't like Crouch. And he as, didn't want to bring him any more notoriety. Exactly. He did it for him, and that didn't, like, nothing was going to stop him from competing at a high level. Yeah. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, because he's mad at Brian Gunacus, like, I don't think that's going to, I probably butchered that pronunciation. I'm but, not going to do any better. So. Um, but, like, <laughs> as mad as he is, I don't think, like, I think he has too much invested for Aaron Jones, for, you know what I mean, Devontae Adams, yeah. for all these guys. I, I don't see him throwing on purpose. I like, agree. I agree. Like, I'm just like, there's no way. Yeah. He likes the teammates. Like, his beef has never been with the team. Right. It's always been with the front office. So I think he has too much respect. But I'm looking at the throws he's making. I'm like, Aaron Rodgers does not make these mistakes. 
it, and it might be, you know, doing Jeopardy in the off season for a couple weeks, and then taking a Hawaiian vacation, yeah. and then doing the match. On so we'll TNT. see if it extends. Right. If, yeah. if I continue to see these plays, as much as I may not believe that. Like I said, I just can't see him making these mistakes multiple times. Yeah, I was shocked with some of the plays that I saw already. But like you said earlier, flute games happen. Sometimes yeah. you have an off week. So we got to see if they can rebound in week two. The other thing, the reason I don't believe that this is possible, the only way they would be willing to trade Aaron Rodgers midseason is one, they're going to get like three or four first rounders, probably. Yeah, if so, not more. It, I don't think you they're got gonna... three for Stafford. Yeah. What am I going to get for Aaron Rodgers? I, I think they're similar because, like, if you can go out and get Deshaun Watson for six, I think, like, I would much rather have a younger Deshaun oh, huh. Watson than Aaron Rodgers right now. Very, very true. So it sets the ceiling at six. So it's like, where does it go down from there? You know what I mean? And at the same spot, you look at the destinations. Right. Like, a lot of the destinations that they were talking about in the offseason have six drafted a quarterback and moved on San Francisco was a possibility they drafted Trey Lance yeah you look at I mean what do you think of hold on this just came to me mm-hmm. like a possible swap with Houston even to send Green to send Aaron Rodgers to Houston bring Deshaun Watson I was obviously fuck Jordan Love at that point right like, so <laughs> so that was kind of what I was going to talk about of like why and, I, and I'll touch on kind of your question there of why they wouldn't trade him midseason mm-hmm. is because the, the team would have to be so bad that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to mess up the picks that they got back in return that's very true right yeah. so if you trade him to Denver who is six and two five and three I mean hell let's say four and four even we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to pick them up. Right, and they're going to win up. more games, right? Even with that midseason transition of, like, you know, Teddy Bridgewater would probably start for another week and then Rodgers would take over. But it's going to screw up that capital they'd be getting back in return. That's very true. So yeah. I don't think it's a viable possibility unless, yeah. like, I mean, that is the wild scenario. The only thing I'll say about I like the thought there. Mm-hmm. Green Bay isn't the type of organization to take on someone – like what Deshaun Watson's going he's through, dealing with. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. And, with that. and whether he's guilty or not, I don't know. I'm not a judge. I'm not a jury. I, I you know what I mean. I haven't talked to any of the victims or anything like that. I have yeah. no insight onto that side of it. But that is not the type of organization that going to chase that storyline. Exactly. Like Green that. Bay. That is something that's going to be a huge turnoff to somebody like Green Bay. Yeah. Um, so it's I for it to happen, it's going to have to be another superstar that is unhappy somewhere. Right, that, that team does not already have a, an established quarterback. Yeah, and I just like don't if, see it. If Houston had a superstar player, if DeAndre Hopkins or JJ Watt was still there, maybe. But also Deshaun Watson wouldn't have to not be on the roster. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it's got It's going to be a very very fine chance that it happens. And and Houston has said like multiple times that they don't want to take another quarterback back in the Deshaun Watson trade. Like when they were talking to Miami, they were like. We don't want Tua, which, which is, is ridiculous. It's weird to me. It's very weird. I The vibe that I'm kind of getting from there is if we're going to do this hard reset, we're going to do it right, and we're not going to draft the quarterback or get the quarterback first. Agreed. We're, we're going to build around. We'd rather have all these assets. You do know, what Cleveland finally did, right. not what they did for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Get a left tackle in there. Get You know what I mean? Get some yeah. guys, like a lot of draft capital. Build a, a decent team. Kind of like what they want to get to where Denver's at right now is yeah. what it sounds like to me, and be missing the quarterback and then go get it. What a guy. Denver's been for five years since Peyton Manning left. Right, A quarterback exactly. away. A quarterback away. Like, a lot of the teams, that's another thing. We talk about the Jags. They were the probably the one team that didn't do it in the first. Like, you look at the Jets. We took we took Zach Wilson at two. I took Elijah Vera Tucker at fourteen. I'm going to address the left tackle spot right. immediately after I've taken my quarterback. 
with with Mac Jones did in the offseason, we bring in Trent Brown. All right, yeah. I've got my left tackle for the future now already on roster. You look at Justin Fields, they ended up taking, I believe it was Tevin Jenkins in the second round. Oh, and yeah. then with with the Jags, I really do think they should have taken pick twenty five and taken Tevin Jenkins or possibly anybody besides a running back. Why take much. a running back after James Robinson has popped? It makes no is. sense. Yeah, but yeah, like I I don't I don't I don't see this being. It's, a it's just the logistics of it are so impossible to try to work out. I don't yeah. see it happening by week eight. All right, moving on to the next one. This is one that I will say, like I think, has a legit shot. Mm-hmm. The AFC North will have three playoff teams this year. I left that blank because it's like, I don't know, Joe Burrow looked good. Pitt, I mean, I, we're assuming at this point Cleveland and Baltimore are going to get in. Yeah. And then the question is, is do you believe enough in either Pittsburgh or Cincy to sneak it out? I'm going to say pump the brakes on this one. Okay. I don't believe it as much because here's what I see happening is – I think I think Cleveland's a lock. Mm-hmm. I think barring yeah. a, a natural disaster, yeah, somebody gets they, they are hurt or something like yeah. that. Yeah. What I see happening is I don't have a lot of faith in Pittsburgh. I really don't. Could they scrape in? Yes, but I'm looking at the rest of the competition around them. Like Miami's vying for a spot. New England's vying for the, one of those wild card spots. Yeah. I have the Chargers, the Raiders, possibly the Broncos are vying. Like it seems like just about every team outside of probably three teams, whichever three don't make it in the AFC South, just about every team has a shot at these playoff spots. Outside right. of the Jets, also probably. Yeah, Jets are out. Every team in the AFC West has a spot. Yeah. There's three teams in the AFC East. And so I see, I think, two teams from the AFC North make it. And the way that the Ravens played last night, I'm not 100% locked in that it's going to be them at this point. Because oh, wow. That's I, a hot take right it is, there. I, I do think it's a hot take, but I, with as much as we're relying on Lamar Jackson at this point, it's going to be feast or famine. And you can't feast every single week. Right. And the Baltimore, I think Baltimore has the hardest, if not the second hardest schedule this year. They do. So I think what I look at it in the long run is say that, on the off chance that Pittsburgh slips in or Cincinnati even slips in, Baltimore will fall out at that point. You yeah. know, like I think one team that you're not expecting to make it will and then one team that is won't. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to pump the brakes on that okay. one. Okay. As I'm, much as it hurts me to say that. Don't have much to add on this. I, it's like, again, this is might something we might spring back up in like It's definitely three or four a 50 one. That's probably a close one that can happen. Yeah, that's a close one. Like, I, I wouldn't say, like, you know what I mean? I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow played great. Like, he, he, he had a good game. Like, and if he keeps playing like that, and Jamar Chase said, what drop issues? Like, I'm just going to be a ball hawk He's, out I'm here. He's going to be an animal. Yeah, yeah so. Balled out. That, that, and that, that wide receiver core is legit. I mean, that defense is eh, so, so. their O-line. Yeah. Played it, better than I thought they would. Yeah, they, so. they did okay. Um, So, we'll see. I mean. I mean, that one I think has a shot, and you know what I mean? In four weeks, we'll probably touch back on it. We'll Agreed. have a better picture of, you know what I mean, what's what, going on. What, what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. All right, for the next one for you, this is one that I actually believe. Okay. A wide receiver will win rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, obviously. Um, From what I saw in week one, I'd have to agree with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, to me, it's honestly not that anybody super stood out. Because now, Devonta Smith played extremely well. He yeah, stood out. He had a good game. Jamar Chase stood out. But also, I'm looking at, like, I didn't see anybody else outside of wide receivers that really stood out. Kyle Pitts was quiet in Atlanta. Yeah. Najee Harris was quiet in Pittsburgh. Yeah. None of the quarterbacks were really, like, there. Like, if Mac Jones had three touchdowns instead of one, right. I'd be like, yes, it'd be Mac Jones at this point to me. But... The way I'm looking at, at New York, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be able to turn in. And, no. and Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be able to just because of the play-calling issues that they're having. So if you had to bat right now on wide receiver, you could take wide receiver core. So, you know what I mean, any of the, the three main guys mm-hmm. or anyone else who pops up and has a great year. 
or the rest of the field for offensive rookie of the year, what are you taking? Like to take Smith, Chase, or what do you mean? So, yeah, yeah. So like if you if if I gave you any of the rookie wide receivers, so okay. any of them, any of them, or you bet the field, so that would any be any other position, any other position, I would bet wide receiver. Yeah, I would too. Right, hundred percent. I I think. I mean, one, the fact they balled out week one is normally a good sign, like that they're comfortable. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is already got some chemistry. They've yeah, obviously they turned in one of the best college football seasons of all time. Time, together. right. Yeah. And and like it there was a stat that came out that in Jamar Chase's like seven out of his last nine games with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow threw him a touchdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that That's it, insane. How well that translates to the NFL, we'll see. You know what I mean? It's a little bit harder week to week. Obviously. But I, I think I think that is a real possibility. Um, the one thing I will say, Najee Harry had a hundred percent snap. Like he they didn't take that man off the field. Which is insane. Yeah. But the thing that also scares me about that is with that workload, there should be something positive about what I saw from you. Yeah. And that was the only positive takeaway was that he was on the field hundred percent of the time. Right. Like I said, he had what was it, seven yards on eight carries at yeah, halftime. First it was of all. Bad. Eight carries is a low number for you to be in 100% of the snaps. I think he had negative one fantasy points yeah. in the first half. It was bad. It was not good. Not good at all. So so as much as that's promising, that's a bad thing for that to be the most promising thing for you. The so only thing that really scares me on this one is Justin Fields. Like, we probably see him week four or five, and he could probably light up the league. So like don't yeah. get like to don't forget about him and depend and also depending on how early if the Niners do turn to Trey Lance and he can fix the issues that he had he has the upside to get there but I feel like his interception issues may hurt him I I, I genuinely believe and this is this is I mean something we'll talk about uh, eventually at the podcast but I I don't think Trey Lance plays this year I really I, really I honestly don't. I don't want him to to be real and if he does it's not going to be pretty and I'm okay with that like he's kind of in a Zach Wilson position if he goes like I know that team's really really good but the kid is so raw I mean we saw it in the in the yeah. preseason like if Zach Wilson's raw like I don't like you would have to even upstep Zach Wilson like Zach Wilson's uncooked right and Trey Lance, Lance is, is raw, raw. Yeah. right so like I mean at least Zach Wilson played college football last year Trey Lance <laughs> didn't yeah it's so very like, true I think he'll play at some point and I think if you're a 49ers fan, you're probably not going to want to hear this, but I think you have to throw the season. Like, I think with four weeks left, no matter what your record is, I think you got to put him in just so he tastes the field. You know what yeah, I mean? get some touches. Because two years off of football, man, long time not to see that field. Very, long, very long true. Time. But, very, very true. All right, next one I got for you. The Ooh. Titans will miss the playoffs. So that means, I mean, and that's a two-parter too, because that also means you have to believe in somebody else in the to win that South. division. Yeah, to yeah. win that division. I'm gonna have to pump the brakes on it. Okay. I don't want to overreact to it. They did look bad week one. I don't want to overreact to the week one loss. If there was somebody like, if you put them in literally any other division in the AFC or even in the NFC, I would. It's out. It's over. I would. I wouldn't be pumping the brakes at all. But there's nobody else. Like, if Indy would have looked good. Like, they looked okay, but they did not look Look great. great. Yeah, I agree. Houston looked good, but it was against Jacksonville. So I'm not going to take too much stock into that as well. And Jacksonville looked bad. So it's, you know, I I don't believe in anybody else in that division, really, honestly, to come out on top. I think Indy could squeeze it. And I don't know how easy Houston's schedule is, but if they stick to the game plan... Maybe. Maybe. Never say Maybe. never, right? Agreed, like, yeah. There's always Unless one you play in Jacksonville. Year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I really don't have much to add. It's week one. We got to see what everybody else ends up looking like, kind of for that division. Um, so we, I, it's yeah, that one's a tough one. I, yeah. They didn't look good. Like like he said, if they were in any other division, it's over at this yeah. point. Like it, it's going to be hard to recover. Yeah. I, I think they have a shot. I yeah, really the do. The division's too wide open for them to be out of it already. Yeah, I agree. All right, next one I got for you. And I think, again, I just love ragging on these Cowboys fans. <laughs> Jameis Winston for Comeback Player of the Year. Can he qualify for Comeback Player? I don't know what the qualifications are. I feel like usually it's a guy that gets hurt. Yeah, normally it's a guy that gets hurt, but... I, from my understanding of it, I mean, I could be wrong here. Did you look up like how you how to qualify how to for qualify it? for it? Okay. He didn't play enough games last year to qualify for. So it. Okay. before in the past, it's like you know what I mean. So like anybody could like if a guy takes a year off for whatever reason. I mean, I think Brett Favre won it the yeah. one year he came back. Probably coming back from retirement. Right. Exactly. That's crazy. I don't actually. I don't think that's correct because I don't think he took a long. I don't think he took a whole season off. But okay. I think I think he would qual. I think he could qualify for it. I'm going to pump the brakes on this. Okay. I love Jameis. And honestly, I think he does have a shot. The reason I pump the brakes and I think he won't is because Dak Prescott also is okay. viable for that award. So so that's the next question. Like, yeah. that's the second. Like, all of these kind of have a second part to it. The real question there is, do you think – I mean, we can even change the question of who do you think has a better year, Jameis Winston or Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott. You oh, think Dak Prescott? Okay. He looked so – like I said – the zip was a little questionable in the first like two drives, but the second he got the, he completed that thirty yard pass and he got his confidence back, he looked like he didn't miss a step. Now staying on the field and then keeping it upright is going to be the biggest question mark for him going forward. But as far as the talent he has, like I said, Michael Gallup goes down, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I still have two number one wide receivers, yeah, and I think even if CD were to go down or Amari goes down for a game. As long as two of the three top guys are healthy, I'm fine. Wow. Zeke's there. If Zeke goes down, I have Tony Pollard. The offensive line is the biggest question. And also, like, I feel like stats comes back to that as well. Obviously, coming off an injury is the biggest boost you can have. Stats is a big thing. And Dallas is going to have to be in a shootout just about every single week for them to be viable. Like I said, when it came down to them winning in Tampa Bay, I was like, people asked me, like, do you think Tampa Bay wins this game or does Dallas win this game? And I'm looking, I'm like... I look at Dallas's defense, and I think this game's going to have to be a shootout for them to win. So they have a shot. This is Tom Brady. Like, it, for it to be a shootout, it's got to be within a game, and it's got to be a high-scoring game. And for, for Tom Brady, in a high-scoring game that's close, I'm not betting against Tom Brady unless he's yeah. playing against Patrick Mahomes. That's the only if in that scenario. And, and you saw it. You saw the screenshot of his face on the sideline. They gave him a minute 30. Anything over 30 seconds is too much time for Tom Brady. Yeah, oh, absolutely. the bottom you line can't. of the situation. Everyone knows that guy's a late-game sniper. Okay, yeah. for a definition, if a player can come back from such adversity or play at a high level over the previous year, they will usually be favored to win the award. Okay. And that's from the Associated Press definition of the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. A majority of the time, <laughs> I do feel like it goes to an injured player. And if Dak didn't get hurt last year, I like I don't know who else your top candidates would be. Maybe Carson Wentz. Carson maybe? Wentz is probably up there. But I, can, I don't think I he plays better than Jameis does. No, there's no in, shot in the long run. Let so, me see. Let me see if there's a, if there's a line on Carson Wentz, then we know. Okay, so Dak Prescott, Joe, Joe Burrow, Nick Bosa is up there. Saquon Barkley Saquon's would be another guy. up there. Yeah. Yep, he's next. Christian McCaffrey, Wentz. Oh, that's another good. Yeah, Derwin I don't, James. I can't see Jameis winning amongst that field. 
So the okay, so there is a line on Winston, so he can okay. win it. He does qualify because I'm like Sam Darnold's on the list. So if Sam yeah. Darnold qualifies, then there's no way. Yeah, so Jameis does qualify. As much as I love Jameis and I do think he's going to have a good and a, even honestly possibly a great year, I can't see him winning against that field. That the the talent that I'm seeing that is eligible for that award, I can't see him overcoming Dude, every single one of those guys. I don't. I mean, I don't know, man. Like they look good. The guy. If if let's just say, let's say it doesn't stay at the level it's been. Let's let's just go mediocre. Let's say he throws for 35 touchdowns. Has we'll call it a tame year. We'll we'll call 20 interceptions. 20 interceptions. Yeah. And around three to four thousand yards. I, I mean, he's range. probably going to be in the four thousand yards. I think Michael Thomas will come back, and mm-hmm. I think that'll help. I think you'll see the pass volume increase when Thomas gets back because mm-hmm. you'll have a guy that you can dump and off also, to. We got to open the playbook up more and more each week, and as you well. can run screens with Thomas. There's gonna, there's going to be some things that they're going to be able to do, assuming he comes back and plays for the Saints, which I think he will. Yeah. And um. So, so my answer to that question is, I think he definitely has a shot. I pump the brakes because of the guys that he's up against. against? Okay. That's that's where I fall off. I, I think he's got a real chance. I really do. I, I love him. I do think he has a chance. But if you have to tell you know, a gun to my head who wins it, Dak Prescott or Jameis, yeah. I'm rolling with Dak. I, no offense to the running backs here, but they're probably booted. I said that. Quarterbacks like, win awards. Yeah. Christian that's McCaffrey's not listening to this. But if he does, sorry, man. You know, tough yeah. break here. But, yeah. Yeah, storylines drive these award ceremonies. It's just like the NBA. Yeah. It's never the best player or it's who had the best year, who had the most interesting storyline. Who had the best line. year and the best storyline. And that's yeah. why I think Winston has a legit chance at this. Agreed. I would agree so, with that, yeah. I think that's the storyline could be there even if he has a – long as he has a better year than Dak Prescott, I, he might be a shoe in Okay, we saved the piping hot one for yeah, last this is year. the tough one. Four teams in the NFC West will make the playoffs. So we're saying they have their division champ and they claim all three wild card all, spots. Every other wild card team in the NFC doesn't make it except from the NFC West. I am going to pump the bricks. Okay. And it's for a, a surprising reason. And the more I, as I'm about to say this, this sounds so stupid, but I think Seattle's going to be the team that misses, to be honest, not real. Yeah, I, I disagree think, with you there. But. I think Russell Wilson is going to fall off at the end of the year. Uh, he did last year, and it kind of hurt him in the long run. Um, I think the offensive line is going to get to him at the end of the year. But here's the thing. Honestly, when I look at it, and I say pump the brakes for that reason, but also San Fran, are you going to bet on Jimmy G getting them to the playoffs? That's an issue. Um, any type of injury happens to Kyler Murray, the Cardinals are out. Mm-hmm. And I think the Rams are kind of the lock to make the playoffs. Whether they win the division or not, I think they're kind of the safe bet. Because I even think... Their team is good enough around if they had a mid-level starter. If they were, say, if they were the ones to go land Gardner Minshew, if Gardner Minshew's in that offset, I believe them to still make the wild card, honestly, in the long run. So I pump the brakes there just because the statistical chance of that happening is absolutely insane. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of dominoes have to fall their yeah. way for this to happen. Agreed. The I, the one thing that scares me, and we're kind of different in this, is I don't. I I mean, Seattle doesn't scare me. Um, I think. I think there's a lot to prove, like in Seattle. I think Pete Carroll like has to. He's ju- on the hot seat. Yeah, he's got to justify that Jamal Adams contract. Yep. I think Russell Wilson kind of had an iffy offseason, and I think he's going to want to come out with something to prove. Um, the team that scares me is the 49ers because I do think there's potential at some point they say, you know, I don't care that we're six and two or whatever we are, and just throw Trey Lance in there and don't care how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, I think there's a real chance of that at some point. 
So for them, like that would be the scariest team to me. Whether that happens or not, I don't know because Jimmy G played so well last week. He he had a legitimate game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was against uh, Detroit. Detroit. So, I mean, pump your brakes on that take. But yeah, um, like we'll we'll kind of see. I think there's a chance though. I mean, they're really like out of the other NFC teams. Like none of them like super scare me a ton. You know what I mean? It's really you look at the the NFC as a whole. Yeah, like you know what I mean. I think. So I think the NFC has a lot of like mid-level teams where I think AFC is very top-heavy where the NFC I think has some some kind of middle-of-the-road tier kind of teams. You know what I yeah. mean? Where it's like... Like I said, I think everybody in the AFC competes outside of the Jets and outside of whoever doesn't win the AFC South. Yeah. So whoever separates themselves and makes it, the other three teams in the Jets don't have a shot. I think all four teams in the AFC North has a shot. All four teams in the AFC West have a shot. Right. And I think for the three of the four teams in the East have a shot as well. So the Saints are coming out of that division, maybe they win it. Maybe they're the wild card team. You know what I mean? They have a wild card shot, yep. Yeah. I But the rest of it, like Carolina, I mean, maybe. But like I'm, I'm a big believer in Sam Darnold, but that's still a very large stretch to make. Detroit, you know, I'm probably out I'm on Bears. I'm out. Bears depends on when Justin Fields hit the field, but still it's an iffy thing. Yeah. Falcons, maybe, you know. There's they a looked shot. rough. The Eagles beat the shit out of them. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, they would have to do a big flip around. That's a big turnaround, yeah. Minnesota, I think, is the same way. You know what I mean? I, I think it's going to have to be a flip. Their you know defense I mean? has to reestablish themselves. They had a really bad year on defense last year. Yeah, and I think Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat here. And, agreed, I mean, yeah. With agreed. all the vaccine stuff going on, and Kirk Cousins has not done himself many favors, kind of. Not at all. You know what I mean? Staying out of the headlines when it comes to that stuff. I You know what I mean? I just look at that division and I go, Man, there's maybe a couple of teams that have a shot. You know what I mean? Um, but besides that, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I, I don't think anyone in the NFC least is is got a shot outside of the division winner. Yeah, I mean, unless like I don't, I don't foresee the Eagles and the Cowboys having nine plus like, wins. Unless I think they might have a shot at a wild card spot, but it all depends on like how. How split up the wins are around the second place teams in other divisions, right? You know, yeah. like because if anybody but the Cowboys win that division, I think the Cowboys should have a shot. They should. Now, granted, that's not always a, a plus, but right? They should. So we'll we'll kind of see how that one shakes out here. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it for pump the brakes. Okay. The we wanted to kind of touch on two things that you know what I mean kind of happened mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment. Um. Let's. What do you, where do you want to start? You want to start with Urban Meyer or before I get to that? Okay. Uh, we'll start with Urban Meyer. Okay. But before I get to that, one other thing I want to talk about real quick: the saga continues. Season two of the Wu Tang American Saga is not is now streaming on Hulu. Uh, on their way to the top, fracture within. See, this is why I got to read this stuff before okay. I'm stumbling over it. On the way to the top, the fracture within the clan is starting to appear. The Wu-Tang Clan will have to overcome even more obstacles, odds, and past beef. As they become as they come together to create their iconic album, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Stream new episode of season two every Wednesday on Hulu now. And it is only on Hulu now. So make sure y'all tap in. That show is taking off, man. Season two looks very, very interesting to watch. So continue, Urban Meyer. What do we got? Um, I mean, a very, very loose rumor. It feels like one of these rumors that kind of starts out with, like, some random guy on Twitter tweeting something that he sourced. And, you yeah. know what I mean? 
there's there's some talks that like he's already thinking about stepping down. Like because his heart's not in it. Is what yeah, the report hard, I saw. Exactly. That's that's what I read is. And and this is like this is what we've I, I don't I can't tell if like once we know if it's more legit or not like I think we'll be better to to have some some deeper thoughts but like the problem is is the fact that this doesn't surprise me should be the problem that is a problem so yes. like he did this at Florida he did this at Ohio State where it was just like all of a sudden you're like he's not in it anymore and he's been an NFL coach for four or five months and he's yeah. already getting this way and it's like it's not crazy like you've been it for four or five months but this is week one of the season right. and this is the longest season the nfl's ever have we're playing 17 games over 18 yeah. weeks and if you were to somehow make the playoffs you got another four to five to seven weeks after that this is one of those times if i'm urban meyer and it's not true you have to address it immediately you cannot sit on this this is not something you let the rumor mill run because they will run wild with right. this. Like, yeah. This is something that if this gains traction, that it's going to take off. And it it does not matter how good or how bad Trevor Lawrence is or the rest of this team is. This will ruin your entire season. It will yeah. run your life for the next eighteen weeks. So if I'm him, I'm I'm playing my cards as close as I can. You know what I mean here, or not not as close as I can. I'm coming out and saying immediately if it's false like hey this is a lie like i don't know where this is coming from like this isn't a source at all yeah um but my god if it's true like good lord what a disaster i feel so bad for trevor lawrence yeah which everybody was saying that like he was gonna get ruined by the jags and then they picked up urban meyer like okay maybe he has a shot and now this may be the catalyst for him being ruined by the jags and i don't want to overreact and spend a ton of time on something like this because it's definitely something to keep your eye on yeah if this is true at all my god we we live in wild times agreed um next thing we want to talk about here is the washington football team um Mm. losing fizz magic um definitely an issue it's not good uh they've announced tyler hennick or tyler taylor heineke taylor heineke thank you not tyler is going to be their starter i i genuinely think this just throws them out of the playoff race like yeah and it depends on how long he's down for because originally i saw it was only gonna be like two or three weeks but then also i think ir is up to week six that you usually have to stick out for yeah so it's a big what if thing of how long he's out but also you remember taylor heineke came in and i wouldn't say he almost beat but like he gave Tom Brady and the Buccaneers a run for their money in the wild card last year on their way to the Super Bowl. So I don't think he's going to come in and wild people right out the gate. But you also got to remember what division they play in. Right. You know, they if they can come out of this, say he doesn't come back till week six. They're 0-1 right now. Say they're even like 2-4. and four. If Fitzmagic can come back and not Fitzpatrick, if I get some Fitzmagic in the building in that division, there's a possibility still. So, depending on how long he's out and in how many games they can try to sneak in these next four to five weeks will be a big thing. But from what I've heard around camp, he's a pretty big fan favorite amongst most of the team. Like, Chase Young loves having him. Like, he came in and came off the practice squad on, like, four days' notice and started a playoff game against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And he he had, like, I wouldn't say he had Tom Brady sweating, but, like, it was way closer than it should have ever been. Yeah, for a guy coming off the practice squad. I I think it'll be. I mean, here's the thing: is it Nick Foles magic or is this guy legit? You know what I mean? Like Nick, Nick Foles in the playoffs is totally different than Nick Foles in the regular season. Agreed. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, oh, just because he had one good playoff game, let's not. Nick like, Foles is different from Big Dick Nick. Those are two completely yeah, different people. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, Agreed. So I think it'll see. I I don't like. I don't think like Heineke. 
and, and as guys get more tape on them, mm-hmm. the worse they perform. Agreed, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I don't know if he's that kind of guy that's going to be overcome that. I mean, I'm interesting to watch. They have a decent team built around him. Like they, it's, they do. He's not going to have to get into shootouts. The defense is good. I have uh, Curtis Samuel. I think just actually went to IR as well, so that's an issue. But yeah, I have Terry McLaurin. I have Antonio Gibson. I do have a top five offensive line in the game of, yeah. as of last year. Great defense. So like, yeah, they they have a team around him. Yeah. So depending on. I mean, it's all it really is going to be on Ron Rivera and how well he can call plays. Because, like, I don't want to open the playbook up, but also you can't be too simple right. at the same time. Yeah, they'll figure it out in the second half and yeah. you'll be ruined. So yeah, it's, I, I, it's, it's one of those tricky ones. If I'm a Washington football fan, I don't know how thrilled I am right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like at the same time, like, how much, like, are you that bummed about? I know what Fitzmagic was bringing to the team, but, like, I didn't lose Patrick Mahomes. I didn't no. lose John. I didn't even lose, like... I don't even know. Pick up fifty. Like, like I didn't lose Ryan Tannehill. Even I think they know. were a legit shot to win this division before this happened. They were my pick. To yeah. be honest with you. So I think that's the thing that you're most disappointed in is like long term, it's not going to hurt anything. But right now, it hurts your chance at a playoff run. Agreed. Yeah. And and that's really what you had to kind of hold on to the season for. You know what I mean? You really, yeah. outside of that, really, they they feel like Denver to me. It, how many years are we going to say, oh, they're a quarterback away? Yeah. They're a legit starter away. eventually you're going to get old right. everywhere else, and then all you're going to have, you're finally going to draft the QB. You may have one decent year, but obviously a young quarterback may lose in the playoffs, and now all of a sudden you've got just the QB because everybody else aged out. Right. I mean, we just saw TJ Watt get paid. You're going to have to pay Chase Young eventually. Yeah. like. Monster deal. Scary Terry's going to have to get paid. Jonathan Allen, yeah. I think he might have already got paid. But like when you look at them as a whole, like they're six deep across that D line. Yeah. Chase Young, Montez Sweater, two of the fastest and youngest edge rushers in the league. And then I have like four DTs that could start any day of the week. Jonathan yeah. Allen, Matthew Ioannidis, and De'Aaron Payne. Maybe only three, and De'Aaron Payne as well. Like all those guys can step in and and function very well across their defensive line. So yeah, I I don't know if I'm them. I'm like. Super, super, super thrilled. You know, I think uh, I think it's disappointing. I mean, you hate to see it, but like they say, you can't be so thin that if one guy gets hurt, you're kind of you're kind of in trouble here. Um, but we'll uh, we'll kind of follow that. Something to watch. I don't. If if that offense was a little bit more high powered, you know what I mean. I think you might be able to get away with a little bit more. I just don't think the way it's built right now that you're going to be able to to skate by and hold on enough to kind of win that division. You know what I mean? Agreed, yeah. Because that might be a division you don't have to win 10 games to win the division at, but I still don't think getting yourself in a, you know, 0-3, 0-2 kind of hole that you might not be able to recover to well enough. To dig yourself out of Right, yeah. yeah. Like, you kind of start in holes like that, I think you get scared. Agreed, yeah. So. What do we got next? All right, let's jump in to so these are going to be games that we're going to be previewing for week two. Mm-hmm. Um, games that we think are are important and have important storylines to them. Um, first one we're going to preview is Titan Seahawks. I okay. think I think it's important for a lot of reasons. It was more intriguing. Uh, I don't know. Was it? Do you think it was more intriguing before week one or after? I think after. With how bad Tennessee was. Because imagine if they come out and they lay a goose egg. Against Seattle. Against Seattle, and then they start out 0-2. Like, that's not the kind of look that you're trying to achieve there. Yeah, I'm going to be 110% honest. I think there's a solid possibility of that happening. Oh, I would say there's a good probability. I think it's going to be a shootout because I don't think, like, as bad as Seattle's O-line may be, Tennessee does not have a pass rush. Right. And if they have one, it doesn't come from the edges, which that's where you get your most proficient pass rush usually. So... 
It's. I think it's going to be a shootout. Are you going to bet on Ryan Tannehill or Russell Wilson in a shootout long run? And are you going to bet? Honestly, yeah. which is the question is, is like, which set of weapons do you bet on in the long run? You bet on Julio Jones and, and A.J. Brown, or do you bet on D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? So, I mean, the quarterback is the captain of the ship. Yeah. So, like, I mean, one, I'll take Wilson over Tannehill. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. As, as underrated as Tannehill is and as good as he usually looks, this is Russell Wilson we're talking about here. And this might be slightly a hot take, but I would actually rather take Seattle's weapons over Tennessee's right now. Are you talking just receivers or are we adding the running back? I'm, to I'm saying even with Seattle's running back position right now. Chris Carson's not a slouch. So no. Like, I would, I would, you're definitely still talking about a top 12 running back even, yeah. even with Chris Carson, yeah. I, I just think for what Russell Wilson does, I think they work so well. I think oh, he, they've built that team for him. Well, yeah. Whereas, like, Julio's older, A.J. Brown, you know what I mean, is yeah. kind of in that same boat. Um, well, he's, he's a younger guy, but, like... They do the same things. They do the same things, you know what I mean? And <laughs> They that's, called that's, him Julio Jr. for a reason. Right, yeah. so they have two guys like that. I don't know if that's what I want. You know what yeah. I mean? When you look at Seattle, has their deep threat. And as much of a deep threat as DK is, he can be the physical guy over the middle if he middle, has to be. Yeah, yeah, he can make those those contested catches. And Tyler Lockett's a speedy slot guy. And mm-hmm. you know what? They hardly ever fail. Like yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can make a career out of being just that speedy, speedy slot, slot guy. guy. You don't have to play on the outside well. I mean, he, he'll never be like a Wes Walker where he'll catch 100 balls or anything like mm-hmm. that. But like he's got a long-term career yeah. in, the, in the NFL, I Agreed. think, for sure. 100%, yeah. Um, next game we got, I think this is another big one, is Cowboys-Chargers. Yeah. And I think the Cowboys are in a very similar spot that the Titans are, where they played, well, I mean, the Cowboys played better than the Titans did, but you really don't want to get into these 0-2 oh, holes. 0-2 holes, yeah, definitely not. I think for this one, I'm I'm putting my cowboy hat on, I'm putting my boots on, I'm, i got to strap my revolver to my waist, because I'm seeing, I predict another shootout here, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um... I think this should be just about as much of a shootout as Tampa Bay and Dallas was to start the, the season off on Thursday night. And I think the key, the and I think the Cowboys defense is going to be key in this game, which is a scary thing if you're a Dallas Yeah. Because <laughs> um, when I look at what the Chargers did versus the football team, who have a very, very good defense, the Chargers were 14 for 19 on third down against the Washington football defense. Now, first of all, it's kind of scary that you get to 19 third downs in a game, but uh, yeah. I converted – 14 of them. That's over, that's almost that's like 76%. Yeah, it's solid. The third down converse. That's it leads the league and it's and it's an astronomical number that you literally can't keep pace. With a second year quarterback and a first year head coach. Yeah. Like like with all of those factors like they played, they looked buttoned up and they looked ready to go. Yeah, which but there is a little bit of a concern there because we talk about how good they look just now. They won that game twenty to sixteen, right? Against Taylor Heineke, who played a majority of the game, right? That's an issue because Dak Prescott ain't Taylor Heineke. I I think I mean we're seeing this this. There's two forms of of the league right now, right? So mm-hmm. there's I'm going to call it the Rams method because they were kind of the first ones to do it. Now, in my opinion, we've never seen a team win a Super Bowl doing this method, mm-hmm. where you load up with superstars, right? So you're thin. But you have you have a a great edge rush. You have a great safety. You have great wide receivers. A great yeah. quarterback. You're paying all these guys, right? So if you look at those teams, Rams. Um, I think the Chargers fall into that. You know what I mean? Not a lot of depth. The Cowboys are another yeah, team Dallas that falls into that. Dallas is definitely definitely in that. I think that's kind of what Green Ten- Bay as of late. Green Bay as of late. Tennessee's kind of gone in that method. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other one is is kind of the flip side of that coin is going to be like. A 49ers, a Patriots, where 
you might not have superstar guys. I don't have a top ten guy at every spot, but I've got probably a top twenty guy at every spot. At every like, spot, and I've got a lot of guys. So like, yeah. where whereas you know, if Julio Jones goes down for Tennessee, I'm concerned because it's AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, and then you got Ryan Tannehill leading yeah. the ship, and not which I'm worried about that. But at the same time, that's what was winning them games last last year. year. But, but they had the Corey Derrick, Davis. That's true, and the Derrick Henry I saw last night or on Sunday was nowhere near what I saw right. last year as well. So I think we'll, we'll kind of see ahead of like what this ends up working. You know what I mean? How this ends up working out. The lack of depth is what scares me, right? Like the Agreed, Rams yeah. lose Jalen Ramsey, like that's a scary thought of they might not make the playoffs now because of it. You know what I mean? That that secondary looks a lot weaker without a, a number one guy who can lock down anybody. You yeah, know what I mean? their corner room definitely looks worse for wear after that. And they did make some; they lost some some guys at the safety spot as well. Yeah. So like to me, like there's two ways to build teams, and this is two teams that are built very similar: mm-hmm. Derwin James, Joey Bosa, like dudes on the defensive side and then on the offense you know what i mean you kind of have you have keenan allen you have justin herbert it's a little bit yeah they're 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 building they're building a little bit still when it comes to that they're to to retain the team that they currently have they're gonna have to go to that method right there there may be a couple of the guys that we listed that don't have those big contracts but if they are to be on the chargers here in the next three to four years they will be in that mode yeah they drafted uh Slater this year in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to, you know, he looked good. He's going to get one. paid. Obviously, Herbert's going to get paid. Right. If Austin Eckler's a top 10, top 15 running back, Keenan Allen's a top 10, 15 yeah. guy, Joey Bosa, I think Derwin Keenan James. Allen will kind of age himself out of that team. I think that team will be good, and he'll be too old to yeah. keep at that point. And Mike but Williams is also very good as their second receiver he's, as well. Yeah. He's pretty solid. So, like, yeah, like, I think that's going to be kind of the heads there. Um I, the next game I've got, I'm, I mean, and this is this might be a little painful for you, but everything's painful these days. <laughs> Chiefs versus Ravens. Yeah. The one thing I will say to kind of caveat this before we get too deep into it, before we tear it down. <laughs> I, if I'm a Ravens fan, I want the game to be competitive. I want us to get off to an early lead. Like if if those two things happen for the Ravens, I think you're happy, even if you lose. You know what I mean? That might be one of those 0 and two teams that. I still feel pretty solid about. Agreed, yeah. But if they don't win it, it'll also be like, what, the third or fourth time that they've lost to the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs? Uh, since Lamar Jackson has became the starter, they have not beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. I believe we're 0-4 against the Chiefs since Lamar's taken over. So. Which, like, as bad as that is, and it's definitely a hole that I don't want to be in against Patrick Mahomes, it's one that I kind of expected. Now, when you look at it as a starter, Lamar Jackson is – 30 and 8 now mm-hmm. as a starting quarterback. Four of those losses are against Patrick Mahomes. Right. So as much of an issue it is it is, I think that also states the fact of how they're going to be able to dig themselves out of this hole. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully in the long run they can still dig themselves out of it. I think the thing that would scare me the most is I mean, you're eventually going to have to beat the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. I agreed, yeah. It's or somebody that beat the Chiefs that's good enough to beat them. You know what I mean? Yeah. The road like the right now yeah. in the AFC kind of goes through Kansas City. It hundred percent does. So if if I look at this and I go, man, like when are we going to do it? Like what do we have to do to in order to be that team that's going to beat beat the Chiefs? I don't know, man. So it's kind of a balancing act of you don't want to get too invested in this game because it is just a regular season game, and I think they can dig themselves out of zero and two. But at some point, if I'm a Ravens fan, I want to see them take that next step and kind of beat the Chiefs and go to that next level. Yeah, agreed. 
So, I mean, I don't know where you start out. Like, it's just this year is going to be the toughest year to do it. And if I look at the way that we played against Vegas last night, Baltimore, again, I know I used that cliche earlier, stands not an ice cube's chance in hell to beat Kansas City on yeah. Sunday. Kind of glad. I went to go request it off so I could sit at home and watch it because this was that was before Marcus and Gus went down and everybody else went down. And, of course, that's our inventory night, so we'll be at the store. Yeah. Um, but it's just – it's gonna be. It was gonna be a tough game regardless, and it's just I, I don't have a ton of faith in Greg Roman to make the right play calls. I think we go down seven nothing or three nothing even, and all of a sudden Lamar Jackson throws the ball fifty one times, but the running back situation isn't as stable as it usually is. Our defense isn't as good as it usually is. It's gonna be a rough game, I think, for Baltimore. Yeah. As polarizing of a matchup as it is, and I wouldn't count Baltimore completely out. When you have Lamar Jackson, you're gonna be in the game. Um, but it's it's definitely going to be an uphill battle, and I think that goes for everyone. You're talking about like when are when is when are we going to get over the hump of yeah. beating Patrick Mahomes, whether it's in the regular season or in the postseason. And I think as much of a fact that is for the Ravens, that goes for everybody. Right. The AFC. When you said it, you know, kind of rust, it runs through Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. This is that is where the AFC title will reside until someone proves that they can take the crown off of them. And even if you can take the crown off of them, can you do it multiple years? Years. Can you, you know, it's, can it not be a fluke? The, the one thing I will say, the reason that it's more concerning for me if I were a Ravens fan is the amount of opportunity Lamar Jackson's had at it. Where it's like Baker Mayfield's had two legit chances to beat him at this point. You know what I mean? Probably not a ton. Josh Allen has only, I think, had one game against them in the playoffs, really. Yeah. Not, a, not a huge opportunity window there. Now, if those guys had all had five shots, too, yeah. it's a different story. But, Agreed. like, for the Ravens, like, you got to get one. We've played them every single regular season since Lamar's became the starter, which so. is granted it's three years now. Right. But it's, it's turning into one of the better rivalries in the league, except being 0-3, it's not really much of a rivalry. The, you know? the question for me is, does this turn into a Brady-Manning where it's somewhat close and they can kind of go back and forth? Or, you know, does it turn into a Brady-Chad Pennington? You know, where it just... One side has promise and looks good every year, and it just never works out for the other yeah. side. I it's tough because I want to lean towards the Brady Manning side, but like, and no disrespect, and it's going to sound disrespectful. No disrespectful to Brady or Manning, but I think just the gap between Patrick Mahomes and everybody else is just larger than the gap between Brady and everybody else, or yeah. Peyton and everybody else. Even like I, yeah. I just the the and it's no disrespect to Lamar. It's just. Patrick Mahomes is that fucking guy. Yeah. So. I think we'll have to see, and I think, I mean, we're getting really into the legacy of Patrick Mahomes here, but I think we'll have to see what the team looks like in three or four years. Agreed, because when, they, yeah. they've got five guys that are going to eat their entire cap space. Like, 80% of their cap space is going to be Joe Thune, Chris Jones, Patty himself, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Yeah. And the Honey Badgers the, in there. If, if they re-sign Honey Badger, that's six guys that are going to eat up like 75% of their cap. Yeah, so, I mean... They have so big contracts. Something to has to guys. give there eventually. Agreed. So the question is, is how well can they draft? How well can they replenish guys? Like, the thing I appreciate about Kansas City, they haven't gone full Rams where they're just like, we're never going to have a first-round pick. But, yeah. like, they're, they're keeping the opportunity open to be able to draft and develop guys. And I think that's the only way to have long-term success like i think the rams are gonna suck in four years like i would agree because they're not gonna have anybody young and they're not gonna have any money to spend on anybody so once stafford's done they're gonna be in some some problems it's gonna be a hard reset so um 
yeah, we'll kind of see what that looks like going forward. Those are our three games to keep the keep an eye on there. Um, okay. We got a little bit of time left for our last segment. Before I get into that, I do have one more little thing I want to talk to you guys about, and that's spatial audio. Uh, it's a new thing Apple Music's doing. It's based on Dolby Atmos and is an immersive surround sound audio format that enables musicians to mix music so it sounds like the instruments are all around you in the space. Thousands of Apple Music songs are already available in spatial audio as of last week, such as Lady Gaga's Rain On Me and Kanye West's Black Skinhead. Spatial audio is available to all Apple Music subscribers at no additional cost. The streaming music service costs $9.99 per month for individuals, $4.99 per month for students, and $14.99 per month for families of up to six people. 75 million songs, the world's most popular playlists, early access to music, unlimited skips, expert curated playlists, exclusive content, download and listen offline, always ad-free, access your iTunes music, pay by month, not by song. So... Big thing, man. That to really, honestly, for anybody that loves music, like if your favorite album has special audio on it, put your headphones in and listen to it. It really does change the game. Like when when I first heard it, like it is, it really is like groundbreaking stuff. I'm excited for every bit of music that I listen to to have that on there. So, and and everybody's got some friends, you know. Oh, go go all in on it. You can get the family plan, man. Yeah, you got you got to have at least three to four friends that can split that up split that up and then yeah. it becomes nothing you, know? you and four friends makes that three dollars a month for each of you yeah you know easy. which is cheaper than the student deal at that point yeah so cheat the system man yeah venmo each other cheat, exactly. cheat the system exactly what do we got for our last segment uh so we were going to try to this this segment might change and and kind of be evolve as evolve time as time goes I mean, we are making this episode run a little bit long, so we'll see if this segment exists going forward. Yeah, agreed. D- depending on how much we can try to contain ourselves, because agreed. we love talking about football. So does it surprise me that we ran this long? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Um, so right now we were going to do fantasy football. Um, we had some players that we were going to kind of talk about, see if they were going to shine through or shine, you know, not, not have as great of a week. Um, I think with the time we have, I think we'll talk about the games we like fantasy-wise. Okay. I, I think might be the play there. I think uh, I think we have a better chance of kind of getting through stuff like that. Um, first game I had on there, 49ers and Eagles. Um, I think if you have players on either side, I don't think either one of these defenses looked... I mean... Great. Like, y- San Francisco's looked good for three quarters, or honestly for like three quarters and 13 minutes, but uh, oh my god, the last two minutes was terrifying for Niners fans. So yeah. I would agree with that one. That's a good one. So 49ers allowed 33 points and only had one turnover versus the Lions. And that's the Lions. The Lions. So yeah. if you have Eagles players, I would expect a good night. Um, on the flip side of that, the only thing that scares me, Eagles did only allow six points. They didn't have any turnovers, though, against Atlanta. Yeah. For how bad Atlanta played to not have any turnovers at all, like, you know what I mean? It isn't typically what you're going to see going forward. Mm-hmm. So I would guess other teams are going to be able to put up a couple more points yeah. on this Eagles defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so so keep your eye on that game going forward. Um, next one I had fantasy-wise is going to be the Cowboys and the Chargers. Um, again, both defenses kind of let up. Like, Chargers let up 16 points on... Against uh, Taylor Heineke Taylor for the majority of the game, yeah. Only had one turnover. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a team that you're going to be able to score on kind of going forward. Uh, Cowboys, 31 points. They had four turnovers. But, like we said earlier, I mean, don't count all of those. You know what I mean? Like One was at the end of the half on the Hail Mary. Yeah. And then a couple, like, I mean, one of them was a drop. So, like, I don't, I don't think the Cowboys defense is actually that good. I think their points allowed is closer to the reality Agreed, yeah. of, of what we're looking at there. 
Um, last game that I had here, and apparently I didn't write any stats for, which is solid work by me. I didn't, don't know how I missed it. Cardinals versus Vikings. Um, Cardinals, I mean, man, DeAndre Hopkins had himself a day as far as fantasy football goes. Christian Kirk had himself a day, and obviously Kyler at the helm of it all. Right. Had himself a day as well, yeah. So, and I don't think the Vikings defense can stop a nosebleed right now. They couldn't stop Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. What's to say that they're going to stop the best offense? Honestly, probably what was the best offensive team in week one was the Cardinals. Was yeah. the Cardinals right now. So that that might be one of the ones that, yeah, keep your eye on that matchup if you have a Cardinals player or two. As far as the Vikings go, I mean, not a lot to, like, look out and be, you know, Dalvin Cook didn't play that great. Justin Jefferson didn't have kind of the game that everybody yeah. was hoping for. I would say stick to your guns with them. I don't think they're... Don't give up on them yet? Yeah, I don't think that their performance is going to be the lasting effect. I think Justin Jefferson had a productive week. He just didn't get the end zone, which yeah. obviously that's where you're going to see a lot of your points at. So I would stick to your guns when it comes to them. And also, I could see that game being a shootout in the long run, honestly. As long as... Their offensive line can keep Kirk Cousins clean. That's going to be the biggest question if you have Vikings guys going forward. Yeah. The last game that I have to talk about, I did have – I had three, but, like, the two were kind of iffy. Okay. The one, Ravens and Chiefs, I think, um, is an interesting one. Yeah. If you have Chiefs players, obviously your you're two, Tyree Kill – or your three, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, and, and Travis Kelsey, start them all. Um, I think Baltimore's defense is not going to do much against Patty. I think not with their. It, it their starts fans. with your edge rushers. It starts with the pass rush, and they didn't look good against Vegas. They're not going to look good against Kansas City. As far as Ravens guys goes, I think it. You have an interesting prospect because if the Ravens have a shot here, it's a shootout. Now, whether they win or lose obviously doesn't affect your fantasy game at all, but a shootout is always a plus side yeah. when you have a receiver or a running back, or especially a quarterback. Brown had a great game yeah. first week fantasy-wise. Hollywood had a good game. So, like, nothing nothing to bat an eye at. Yeah, your running backs is – I wouldn't touch a Baltimore running back this week. The committee is still up in the air on whether Tyson yeah. Williams is going to be the guy. He got into did separate himself, but Latavius Murray got a lot of work in the second half, and we'll see. They might call up Le- Le'Veon Bell or – or a Devonta Freeman from the practice squad as well. So like it's it's just a big iffy. Like you could definitely take that risk, but know that it's a risk going into the game for yeah. sure. So do we have anything else for week one? Is that the the only game you had? I did. Like I had Lions Packers because again, like the Lions looked really good in the last two minutes, and the, I do think the Packers can rebound against the Lions defense, who allowed Jimmy G and you know Elijah was it Elijah Mitchell I think yeah. was his name. Like, the Niners' offense looked really good. So I think, now granted, Green Bay didn't look great, but I'm expecting a bounce-back week. Yeah. And, again, if the Lions, if you have Lions guys, for that game to be close, it's going to have to be a shootout, I think, as well. Yeah. And then Patriots-Jets, maybe, even. Yeah. You know, like, two teams that were kind of evenly matched. So, again, there's not a huge, a ton of fantasy guys off the top of your head you could think of for either of those sides. But Nelson Aguilar, probably like Yeah, yeah. Corey Davis had a monster week. Yeah, Corey I think Davis. He's established himself as like a you know, a week one guy as a wide receiver one for them, especially while Jameson Crowder's out. Yeah. I mean Corey Davis will be someone that you want to keep your eye on. Same thing with Nelson Aguilar. As these rookie quarterbacks go on and on and on, they're gonna find guys who they're comfortable with, right? Yeah. Like a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, they find comfort in a tight end or, a, you know what I mean, a guy that they know is going to be there, be open, and catch the ball. So, Corey Davis, Nelson Aguilar, guys to watch, you know what I mean, potential, potential flex kind of plays. I mean, yeah, I don't think Corey Davis is going to have the touchdown production that he had in week one. But Agreed, yeah. yeah. That's a tough pace to keep up, especially when you're walking in against 
Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones. The one thing I will say that I liked about both of them, I think I have some stats here on uh, on Corey Davis, was the amount of targets that those guys were getting was yeah. something that, like, it for me, Corey Davis was had seven targets, five catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. So you, you're not always going to bank on the touchdowns. For me, the targets of these guys matters a lot because – Consistency in fantasy comes from being thrown the ball. Yeah, and especially in PPR leagues, obviously. That's, exactly. That makes receivers. Yeah, and whenever we talk about fantasy, we're probably always going to talk about assuming it's a PPR league. Yeah, because agreed. if you don't play in a PPR league, I mean, like go on a date with someone who's not your cousin or your sister. Like <laughs> try to expand your circles a little there's, bit. There's some people out there that don't like it, but it's just I, I 100% like it more. I, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but like – 80% of people have to be playing PPR. Yeah, I would agree. Point. I would agree with that. Um, so As it should be. Like if that. you're not, you're probably a quarterback nerd. So Yeah. Double QB leagues always throw me off. Oh, that's super I boring. Hate I hate it. It's but, weird. Yeah, I, those are guys like, and depending on how deep your league is, you know, Corey Davis might be a number two receiver if you're in a 14-man league. Like he yeah, has If you're a little, in a 14-man league and you don't have anybody else there, yeah. he's definitely an option for you. And, and the other thing that the reason I like these two guys is like, and we'll wrap this up here pretty quick here before Samari kills us for running four hours on a podcast. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, if uh, on on teams with very few weapons, it's always nice to know like, hey, there's one guy who stands out, and there's one guy who has a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those, it's a good feeling. Like you know what I mean to know that there's a number one guy there. I think Corey Davis has established himself as that guy. I think. Do you think Jacoby Myers is that guy right now for, for New England? Or? It, it could be Jacoby. It could be Nelson Aguilar. I think the book's a little unwritten. It might end up being Jonu Smith. It might end up being Hunter Henry. There's a lot of guys. That's very true. That's yeah. the thing that always scares me about New England. And the reason I like Corey Davis compared to like a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin or an Antonio Brown is there's so many guys on that team. Who knows who's going to get the ball? Yeah. The Jets yeah. really don't have that many options. That's always been my thing with Seattle. Like I, when I'm looking at New England and their target situation, it's the same thing. I look at Seattle. Obviously, Seattle is the higher end of that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they spread the ball around a lot, but Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, still and, get their get their balls. Yeah, I, Gerald Everett obviously are still going to get a lot of targets and a lot of touches. The ball is spread around between the three of them, but they're all very very talented. In New England, it's spread around a lot, but there's not really that guy. Like yeah. I don't have a top twenty receiver there. Obviously. And and someone will emerge, I think, as the season goes on. I think Mac Jones will find someone that he he's likes. Comfortable he's with. comfortable with. Yeah. And I I think it's too early to call it week one. I think you'll be able to call it in kind of the later weeks coming here. Agreed. Yeah. All right, man. I think that's gonna call it yeah. for episode one of the Owen Show, man. If you if you made it this far, uh, thank you. We yeah. appreciate you listening to us ramble on for this long. Yeah, agreed. It was a it's a very fun time, and I I think it can only go up from here. Obviously, yeah. you're still working out the kinks. We're gonna get it all fine tuned and figure out exactly what we're gonna do week to week. So. I think we, it was a great jumping point. Just like when we planned it, we think we had a great jumping off point, a great point to start. I think episode one, we have a great point to start for the rest of season two. So. Yeah. I mean, and we're we're always open to any feedback you guys had, positive or negative. Let us know. Yeah. Um, the word will get to us eventually, whether you go through us or you go through you know one of the other guys. It, mm-hmm. it, we'll, we'll take any feedback. If you like something, you don't like something, um, let us know. This obviously won't be a fan podcast, so we're not always going to talk about certain teams you know yeah, what i mean it is going to be yeah. we're going to try to cover everybody a little bit and and if your team's the marquee matchup you know be prepared for we'll yeah. talk about it but i wanted to remember last uh, like we talked about it off uh like off you know off camera obviously off microphone and like like if you're a houston texas fan sorry we're not going to yeah. talk about that much and 
lo and behold, we yeah, end up talk talking about, about them. Week, yeah. yeah, you never know who we're, we're going to talk about. Is the moral of the story? Agreed, so yeah. We probably didn't talk about the 49ers enough. You know what I mean? There'll be someone that'll pop up more. But yeah, if your team stinks, like we're not probably going to talk a ton about the Colts unless like something big turns around. You something know what I mean? Big happens. Yeah. So agreed. I mean, unless you which guys, that could be good or bad. Like you may hit the spotlight, but it's because of like the yeah. Packers did this week. And if you want us to talk about it, the best way to do that is ask us questions. You yeah. Know? Ask questions or, like, give us a hot take or something that you think that yeah. you might halfway believe in or something like that. Because, so. as you can see, you give us, like, one line of content and we can ramble on about it for 20 to 30 minutes. So. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. We could walk into here with four topics and fill two hours pretty comfortably, I think. So, so thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys go listen to um, The Mansion. Episode one will be out this week. And, obviously, one of one with Elijah and Shay will be out. Make sure you all keep it locked on Friday for episode two of season two. Uh, we got another great show for y'all coming out on Friday this week. And keep it locked, and we'll see you guys next week for episode two of The Owen Show.